0: the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Noel. And I'm Chris Heine. And this week we're going to take you all the way over to the Pacific Northwest where we traveled around Vancouver Island and on the coast of Washington. Before we do that, we have some big announcements happening here at Light Gray Art Lab. March 3rd marks our fifth anniversary. I cannot believe that we've been around for five whole years.
1: We are just a small baby but so, so old at the same time.
0: Yes, that's how I feel every day of my life. And with this five-year anniversary, we've got some big things happening in the gallery and with our programming. We're actually knocking down a wall and expanding into the space next door where we're going to be offering new walls, a bigger shop, and a lot of really fun programs in 2017. Chris has some photos that are kind of interesting and stealthy.
1: Interesting and stealthy. I was going to say we have a bunch that look like we are floating in outer space in weird Breaking Bad chemical uh, hazmat suits. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we've been tearing down walls, tearing up carpet, spraying ceilings with paint, um, doing all sorts of stuff to prepare for March.
0: Yeah, so as we get closer to that, we'll be posting some fun photos of all the changes that are happening. And a lot of stuff is going to be going down probably in the next week or two that we're excited to start showing everybody. With that, we will be looking for new partnerships! We've actually got a lot of new opportunities for artists to do fun things at Light Gray, including curate some shows. We're gonna have a new solo show wall at Light Gray where we're looking for people that want to create bodies of work. We have a new dedicated space for narrative work called the Page Gallery and dedicated workshop space where we're gonna be inviting some new visiting artists over 2017 to come and share what they do with the rest of us. So, I'm really looking forward to that. Yes, and so I'm sure in the next couple weeks too as we renovate our website, which is one of Chris's big things that he's working on in the next couple weeks, we're also going to be posting a link for people that would like to consign stuff. So, if you're making a comic and you know it's going to be out in the next couple months and you want to celebrate it, let us know because we also have opportunities for people to do signings and get-togethers and meet and greets. So, um, if you want to come to Minneapolis, now's your chance. So. I also want to say thanks to everybody who's a part of the fifth anniversary show. It's called To Be You, and it features the stories and narratives from all of the people behind the artwork. And so if you want to see the uh, entire participating artist list, it's up there on the website right now, right on the front page with a button, uh, and you can see everybody that's involved in that. But we also are launching another Call for Art, so make sure you check that out before February 9th.
1: Cool. And if you're in the Minneapolis area and you are looking to have some fun, come on by like Rare Art Lab because we're still doing game nights. It is every other Thursday. So go to the events calendar, you can see when the upcoming game nights are. Again, they're on Thursday instead of Wednesday because I'm teaching again. Check the calendar and come on by if you want to play some games with a bunch of really fun people.
0: And on the other days, the other Thursdays, we're doing tarot things again. So we just had our Animals and Familiars Tarot class, and we're going to be talking about tarot and magic, botanicals, and a bunch of other fun stuff as we lead into the spring. So make sure to check out the events calendar for all those things coming up. And one last thing that you might want to know. So leading up to this podcast, we've been doing a ton of research to figure out the absolute coolest adventure for the new light gray art camps this spring. So, if you're interested in traveling with us, we have two new art camps, one to Washington State, where we're gonna be crawling around on the beaches, camping, uh, doing a bunch of fun stuff in the outdoors, and you'll get a tiny taste of what that's like here on the podcast, and we have a second one where we're headed up to Vancouver Island, Canada, and uh, we're gonna see the Wild Pacific Trail Uh, walk around, listen to howls of the wolves,
1: old-growth forests,
0: old-growth forests, and other crazy things. So let's go all the way over to the Pacific Northwest, camping out in the wilderness, washing ourselves in a pot of hot water, eating random things out of the back of a car, and many other crazy adventures that only could happen in Washington and Vancouver Island, Canada. Friday December 16th and we're here at about seven fifteen in the p.m. surrounded by drywall drywall <laughs> we're, we're sitting silently uh, for the last maybe 15 minutes or so in this tiny little shack on the side of a bubbling creek in about 30 degree weather outside in uh, the Olympic National Forest Uh, All around us there are towering trees, there's snow that's dusted the ground, there's a porta potty just about 10 feet away, (laughs) and there's an outdoor shower that we have yet to use. But we're here on a super adventure. Chris and I decided to go and scout out a couple awesome places over here in the Pacific Northwest, and our plans are to go all around the Ho Rain Forest, over in uh, Olympic National Park, up to Vancouver Island, and then back down to the North Cascades and then land safely somewhere in Seattle to say hi to Francesca and go back to our frigid, cold, but beautifully interesting Minneapolis, Minnesota in just a couple of days here. So um, we're excited because today was probably a really good start for day one of our weird adventure. Uh, we woke up in a weird hippie, <laughs> hippie tent um, <laughs> after driving for about a couple hours from um, Seattle to Port Angeles, and ended up in the in the middle of the night, wandering in to uh, uh, this tiny little red and brown shack in the backyard next to a dilapidated school bus um, of an international hostel over there. And we were met by a guy in a in a cloaked hood, and a just a tiny bit of a cigarette was showing, and so. After being on a plane and smelling somewhat like uh, everybody's farts and Cheetos after, <laughs> after traveling. I don't know if that's what I smelled like. Okay, well, that's I what I smelled like. So, <laughs> we were happy to just be somewhere that wasn't uh, on the move. So, um, what did you smell like, Chris?
1: I smelled normal. I actually felt just fine last night. We, we flew out, I don't know, in the morning, and we spent all day in airports, and... Um then we got into Seattle and everyone was freezing cold even though it's like like long sleeve weather.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just a brisk it's a nice just brisk chilly, yeah. Chilly weather.
1: Um but I was feeling actually pretty refreshed and I went to bed feeling great and I woke up feeling like I had just gotten off a plane for some reason. So I felt bad and smelly in the morning.
0: Oh, in the morning? Oh, that's so awkward. Well, I actually really enjoyed our stay last night. And so before we went on this trip, I didn't really tell Chris much of anything about where we were going. And I said, okay, Chris, don't worry about it. I'm just going to plan everything and we're going to go and we're going to have a super adventure. And so as we showed up last night, it was the first of several really interesting houses that I booked. And so I feel like when you're going to go on a trip, you might as well go find the coolest places to stay. And so... Is that what you
1: call it? Yeah, I do
0: call it that. And I, like, you could, I mean, you could stay at a hotel or you could stay wherever, but it's not really the same as just picking the weirdest spots and trying to go there. So Mm. how did you feel about yesterday's? Can you paint the picture of where we stayed and how that worked?
1: I mean, it was fine. It was, the, the international hostel was, like, this orange, I think it was, like, orange and purple and yellow house, just in Port Angeles, which is, like, a small... I don't really know how to describe it. It felt... Awesome. It just was a little town. And then we had, like you said, a small shack in the back that is like, was on a trailer. And so it was just a bed and a closet and a heater. Yeah. And that was it. And so we had to go out of the shack or whatever you call it, out of the bedroom, onto the back porch and walk across his back porch. And this guy must be he must have properties or something or he's just a hoarder because he had like sinks and tubes and pipes and tools <laughs> i'm pretty and sure he's everything. gonna
0: use that to convert that bus into another home yeah I'm so like the, there was an
1: old school bus and it had like wires coming out of it and stuff and then i was like and we parked next to it and we got in at like midnight or something and i was like are there are there people on that bus like are there people sleeping in that bus yeah 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 so i didn't really know what to expect um and then we went in and we you know it was a very grungy commune feeling place um there was like weird bunk beds made out of two by fours everywhere also when we walked in the house it was midnight again and it was dark in this back room and there was a washing machine and then two bunk beds right next to it (laughs) and all of the laundry was piled up on these bunk beds but it looked like people maybe sleeping no and i didn't know if anyone was in there or if it was just laundry and i couldn't check. i think
0: it was just laundry
1: no i know it was because in the morning it was still there but at night in a darkened room and you walk in and there's a bed with a giant pile yeah bump uh and then so we went in this little room and it had all these like kind of not really stained glass windows but windows
0: you mean our shack? In our, our shack. Our awesome shack? Yeah, yeah no, awesome it was like, shack. somebody was like, this place needs more windows, and then they cut a little hole and put a piece of, piece of But then they also were glass. like,
1: we should put this shack directly behind our industrial-sized hostel that no one was staying at, that they had, like, a 1,000-volt light bulb <laughs> shining out into our windows, and it was seriously like a spotlight, like, <laughs> was... really bright, <laughs> we... like a football stadium. <laughs> It was
0: like a football and I
1: didn't know where that room in the house was because from was probably our, a
0: secret room. Is probably from our a... tour
1: of the house, I didn't see any areas with lights on. It was a very dark house.
0: There's a gambling. There's a false room somewhere, a gambling room where people are betting on. Yeah, things. but I
1: could see in there because I looked in there when I was like, "What the hell is this light?" And I know that's
0: what I'm saying. I mean, like, there's a secret room. Where I they're... know, but
1: I looked in there and all it is is like 25 bunk beds with nobody in it.
0: Oh, what, the stadium light?
1: Yeah, where the stadium light was coming oh, okay. from. Oh, so
0: there wasn't anything cool back there.
1: No, it was just a whole bunch of bunk
0: beds. Oh, that's not the same. Well, that that's fine. I mean, we figured it out. We took a bunch of towels and random things that we had. I made,
1: I took a snowshoe and <laughs> used that to prop into a window, and then I took the shower towel that I had, and I stuck one corner under the snowshoe, and then I wrapped <laughs> the other one up around the door of the closet, And then that pretty much covered the windows.
0: (laughs) So we brought snowshoes, okay? So let me back up for a second. So let me describe to you how much snow is actually on the ground right here. And so people before we left Minneapolis, they're like, Oh, it's been so brutal. It's brutal up here. It's so cold. It's cold and it's snowy. And the snow is big and the snow is everywhere. This is
1: the Airbnb people and stuff.
0: Yeah, and we were like, oh man, well, there's snow. We got to get some snowshoes and snow pants and we got to get our... Like our super gear on and our industrial like like super warmth clothes. And then Chris is like, yeah, okay. And so we bought some massive snowshoes. We, Amazon primed it all the way over so we could just like make sure to be able to stay on top of the snow. You know, because that's important. Mm-hmm. And so we got here and we saw the snow and the snow is about an inch and a half uh, tall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're like, wait a second, what? And so we're looking around and everybody we talked to is like, they're, oh it's just so cold. It is so cold here and we're like, Oh my gosh, yeah, it must be really hard to be so cold and we're thinking about poor Jenny and James who have to dig our cars out of the twelve inches that's gonna yeah. dump on us tonight over there. For
1: yeah, I guess for contrast, right now it is probably like I don't know, I don't have internet out in this shack that we're in tonight, but <laughs> it uh, it's probably thirty degrees maybe. Where, here? Yeah, 30 yeah. degrees, maybe here, yeah. and there's an inch of snow. And in Minneapolis right now, it's 22 degrees, and they're about to get. No, sorry, it's negative 30 degrees, and they're about How to get. How did
0: you mess it up? 22 degrees?
1: It's negative. Well, I know I said negative 22. It's negative. I believe it's negative 35 degrees, and we're about to get 22 inches of snow.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of snow, and a lot of negative degrees. So so here right now, this feels incredible. Like we got to walk around outside for a couple hours today, and it was amazing. We were like, "Holy crap!" My nostril hairs are not freezing to each yeah, other. Yeah, it
1: reminds me a little bit of when we went to Japan. Yeah. And everyone was like in a parka, and then we were outside in like a lo- like a three-four sleeve shirt and
0: <laughs> one and, like short. boat shoes. One boat shoe. Yeah, it was. It's just been really nice here, and so we're glad to be out of the Minneapolis cold for a second. It's like we actually. Got some weird, unseasonable weather. Um, but who cares, except for us. So, the point is, it's really nice here. And so, we um, woke up in the morning, made ourselves some coffee with our sweet coffee press, and uh, we got our things together, had some weird oatmeal, and got on the road. And so, I actually really enjoyed that that stay, and I'm really looking forward to what's going on tonight, but we ended up driving for a while um, down through the uh, Olympic National Forest, and just, like, five seconds out of town as we got out here. There's towering giant pine trees. There's humongous, like, atmospheric colors changing between you and the furthest thing that you can see. All of the mountains are surrounding you. It is amazing. Like, it was like a hazy, whitish, bluish color from, you know, uh, just the, the depth of how far out that you could see and how tall the mountains were. And, um, We don't get to see that very often. I think the last time we were sort of reminiscing about it, we were saying, yeah, this is kind of like uh, a blue version or a blue-green version of uh, Grand Teton, which is a purple version of this, you know? But we were like, this is incredible. And so we were driving and there's streams everywhere and everything looks crystal clear. It's just beautiful. And so we drove through Olympic National Forest and our whole agenda is just to see everything that we can see in the shortest amount of time. You know. I mean,
1: we're here 10 days, that's not that short.
0: No, but we got a whirlwind tour of the entire Pacific Northwest, we are going to see what we could do. But we were driving, 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 and we'd hop out of the car, and we'd take a look over the edge of something, an embankment over one and a half inches of snow, and we're looking at it, we're like, oh, this is amazing, and we get back in the car. And so our destination today was the whole rainforest, and so we um, drove past a couple little tiny towns, one called Sappho, where we stopped... Um, Maybe a little bit after it, or Beaver, whatever it was called. Oh, that was Beaver, yeah. And um, we pulled up to get some gas in this, like, tiny little place. It was probably built in the 40s or something like that. Well, yeah. yeah. And uh, we walked in, and I kind of stumbled in the door and looked around. And there was an old man that was wearing a beanie hat. And he goes, hey, hi. And I was like, Uh oh, hey, hi. And uh, he asked me what I was doing and where I was from. And maybe my Wisconsin accent showed up or something like that because uh we talked a little bit about what was up and i grabbed a weird stale donut off the counter that i'm not really sure if those were for sale
1: i don't know those donuts sucked
0: (laughs) yeah that (laughs) it had probably been there for like a week yeah but it
1: was very crunchy crunchy
0: it was a crunchy donut and uh um but we walked in there and it was really interesting no like nothing around except for this tiny little thing and um i was just imagining what it might be like to have just a handful of neighbors you know um my neighbor right now is uh currently scouting the the line of where she can ski through my front yard mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah, people out here her out. i know yeah well the whole 10 feet of my front yard she can ski through while we're gone in the uh in her 22 inches of new freshly fresh snow um but here you got your own big yard probably like people got probably miles and miles of public yards that they can ski through if they want to, if they get any snow for it. But a couple of people came in and said hi to him, and it was just, um, I don't know, kind of nice. So we grabbed our crusty Donut, got on the road again, and headed down towards uh, the whole rainforest. So we passed through a town called Forks. Um, just a cute little town. Uh, again, that one's probably built in the 40s as well. We just It was 1945. 1945? Yeah. And everything kind of looked like it. it was weird because it was sort of, I mean, it wasn't like Wild Westy, but it had kind of that like short buildings that are all made out of wood with kind of low hanging um, shingle shingle roofs, you know? It looks like they built it and they hadn't updated it since then, except yeah. for the art museum. That was I noticed leaving.
1: a lot of it, and I, I guess it's because of how new a lot of this stuff out here is, like 45 is not very old
0: 1945.
1: No. And so a lot of the stuff still looks like it's from the 40s, like Sully's Burgers, which is like in the, you know, there's been a few places that are just like, they look like they were built in the 50s maybe, and then just haven't changed.
0: Yeah, and it it was really charming, and you went through there, and um, the whole entire way that we've been driving, and you've had like a couple hours in the car, we've been listening to The Secret Life of Trees, which is a really adorable audio book. Um, because we're surrounded by him, I picked a couple things off of Audible and tried to figure out which ones the best ones were to kind of flavor a trip. And this one has an old British man who tells the stories about trees in almost like a fairy tale-like way. And so he describes these trees almost like they're his friends. And we're learning a lot about what happens when snow piles on trees and how they have a, a fungi network. Yeah. You like how he says that?
1: He doesn't even say it like that. I don't even, He's... It's even weirder than that. It
0: is? It's not fungi. But I don't know. He, he and he says, uh and he's talking about how um the trees will fall and the tiny ones will take root on the on the mother tree. And he talks about it just like they're a funny family. And so I highly recommend it, by the way, for anybody that wants to learn about trees, um and the ecology of forests. It's just a really good audio book so far. So we're listening to that and we pull up finally after a couple hours of driving into the Oho rainforest and we've noticed that the trees change from this big, mountainous, blue-green, like, atmospheric land to smaller trees, and then to greener trees. But the trees aren't just green. They are fuzzy and dripping and beardy. And they look like they've been rolled through a bunch of flocking. Or they look like they have, for example, come out of what our drain looks like in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the shower. And they're just coated with these hairy blobs. And so... Everything is also, like, electric colored, which is amazing because you'd think once the snow falls, everything would be brown and dead and weird, but it's not. It's just vibrant and green. So we took a a nice leisurely drive up to where the visitor center is and parked the car and put on all our gear and got out because we're going to walk through and see what it's all about. And we went into the visitor center and, of course... Um, I got super interested in talking with the lady that was there about the wildlife and what we could find and what we could see. And she says that the visitors have been seeing bobcats around Mm -hmm. and lots of elk. Um, She said that sometimes, because the water is so clear, you can see all of the salmon. Or the what do they call them? The coho? She called
1: them salmon, but I think that the sign said coho.
0: And I don't know if they're the same thing, but... um, she said, "Oh, yeah, you'll like it. It'll be really good. so there are a series of trails over here, um a couple of them are little small trails, and there's a big one that actually heads up to Blue Glacier. Is that what it was called?
1: Um, maybe I don't remember something, something like it was that was pretty simple glacier name
0: and so they actually still have glaciers here, and you know, and she kind of was talking to me for a second with a little bit of a um, melancholy moment, and she said, Yeah, well, you know, if you ever get to see them, it's eighteen miles up, but it's worth seeing, and you should go see them while they're still here and i We had a talk for a second about glaciers, and I sort of admitted that I had uh, an affinity for glaciers, and that since Chris and I have been going to Iceland for years and years and years, since 2009, it's been interesting watching the change in them, and so I was like, oh, I'd love to see that, you know, and she she told us that the trip, though, would be better done in summer, so anybody... (laughs) In
1: fact, I don't think you can do it right now.
0: You probably can't, unless you have, like... Well, there is
1: a river crossing...
0: Yeah, I do not want to go in the river right now. Even if it is nice and much warmer than Minneapolis. That sounds hard. But, um, for anybody that does have the guts to go and do it, um, you should let us know what that part is like if you make it to the glacier. So, we walked around the whole rainforest and, um, every now and again a tiny little brown bird, um, a little tiny wren, or a blue jay, or, um, a tiny little squirrel funny little squirrels here that they have
1: the red ones
0: yeah they're little red ones they have beady eyes they're really cute and really small not fat like a weird gray squirrels yeah you know they'd poke around and we would see elk tracks and we'd see actually saw maybe what was a bobcat track it looked or it was
1: a paw it was either bo- i don't know if they had wolves here but if it was minneapolis i'd say it was a wolf but probably bobcats and she said they saw them
0: yeah, and we were walking kind of meandering, and it was really cool doing this in the snow. And of course, you know, we're we're out here, and we can see our breath, and our noses are all red, and our fingers are cold, but it is just silent out there. And so we could hear our feet crunching the snow on the ground, and we're walking through all these trails, and every now and again the snow would kind of brush over the path. And we'd have to figure out where exactly the trail started and stopped again. yeah one of the trails led all the way through uh, an area down by a river, which had a big stone kind of sandbar running along it with all the runoff, and it was just beautiful. It was right around like 3.30 when the sun was starting to set, and we could see it just making a haze of like steam, Um, and kind of that atmospheric quality again as you're looking out over like a big landscape. Uh, Everything was just sort of light, and we tried to capture to know um, great uh, ability what that really looked like on camera and I don't know if you did a good job but it's just one of those things where you just you forget sometimes that you can't take in all that stuff with your camera yeah you know, you're sitting there and you're like how come this doesn't all fit in my viewfinder um but that was one of those moments too we're just sitting there and we can see everything we can hear the water and we can hear the crunch of the snow and we can see the haze coming off of the water, which must have been somehow warmer than the air. Um, but we kind of wander our way through there and, again, kind of pass by these towering, towering trees that must have been there for hundreds of years. And so what did we learn about trees today, Chris?
1: I mean, we learned a lot about how they grow and how they fight and how they also help each other and all sorts of stuff. And you could see a lot of direct examples of like the way that the fungi and the molds work with it and how the trees like they extend their crown out and not not to touch each other but the closer they are if it's the same kind of tree the more helpful it is because they share resources under the ground and stuff and you saw a lot of examples of trees that had fallen and then other trees just started growing directly out of the kind of corpse of the first tree
0: what do they call those nurse trees I think they said did they that call them nurse trees? I the guy know. did, not Not on the audiobook, but yeah, on the, some of the plaques. Yeah,
1: I don't remember what they called them, but yeah. Um, there was one where it had fallen, and it was a really large, long, straight tree, and it had fallen, and there was just a perfectly straight row of trees that had grown out of it.
0: Hundreds of years ago. Hundreds old.
1: of years ago, because yeah, now the trees are, are giant in themselves, but you could still see the underlying mound of what the tree used to be i guess where it had fallen
0: the interesting thing too is when you walk past these things there are holes where all of that stuff is disintegrated but the roots of the original tree where it had landed on top of that old decaying tree Mm -hmm. they've left these big archways and so some of them are big enough for me to probably crawl through yeah you know so there's these huge like big spidery you know bottoms of the trees where it looks like the tree could just skitter away And so some of these have like giant sort of like pulsating looking roots that are just flying around and there are other ones that have like caverns that the tree kind of comes down and spreads out and there are these like protrusions that make little tiny like alcoves Mm -hmm. and I kept thinking about it and I was just like this would be a fine place to live if I was a small gnome and or bobcat yeah, you know
1: either one of those things.
0: Either one of those things, and you could see all those little tiny birds popping around there. And I was just like, "This isn't too bad. Like, I'm sure there's tons of stuff that they can find to eat and do and whatever." But one of the best things that we saw today that I, again, tried to ta- try to take a video of it, and maybe it'll work. But everything was covered with frost, and so when you would move, uh, since we were right at like. Yeah, 3:30 or so when the the light was shining through the trees, everything sparkled like it had glitter on it. Mm-hmm. Every single tiny fern had little ice crystals that were fanned out in these these like really interesting almost eyebrow shapes, you know? There were these tiny like shards of crystals hanging off the moss, like the hairy moss that was hanging from trees. There were drips that had refrozen that looked like tiny little beads. It almost looked like a um like a fake Christmas tree in a lot of ways, you know, that yeah. that faux glitter that they put on everything. So um, we tried to capture some of that stuff, and I don't know if we did a very good job, but um, we eventually made it our way back in the car and headed towards Forks. And so the sun was setting, and we were driving up there listening to our old man talk about trees, and we pulled in to um, a place right along the Forks main drag called Native native and twilight
1: native something like that yeah
0: native to twilight i native think it to was twilight yeah and then i was like oh what a weird what a weird name and i walked in and i talked to the guy behind the counter for a second and i was just like so does everybody wear these shirts that say forks on them all the time because minneapolis everybody from minneapolis wears shirts that say minneapolis on them and then he's like no maybe the old people do and i was like oh yeah Totally normal. Uh, okay. And then as we were leaving, Chris was like, did you notice that all of these things over here are Twilight-flavored? And then I thought like about Twilight, it. Twilight, the
1: movie, book, whatever series.
0: And I, I, like, then made sense of why they had a bunch of, like, stand-up cardboard cutouts of all the characters <laughs> in the store. I was just like, what a weird store. Why all these stand like, cutouts? Well, it was, like,
1: half Twilight memorabilia, half, um kind of that the native art of this area that's very iconic I yeah it was it's like called, what is this weird combo it was like half and half between sort of like that traditional art and twilight memorabilia
0: yeah and, and then-, then
1: i was looking up reviews while Lindsay was doing that because we were really hungry and there was like four restaurants in forks and i was like which one of these is the the best and the reviews kept mentioning twilight And I didn't know why, (laughs) like, it wasn't so much that it was like a thing, but like two separate reviews mentioned the Twilight franchise in the review or something like that. Someone mentioned about how the strawberry lemonade had the audacity to be called like Twilight eight or something like that. And I was just like, okay, I don't know why this guy's complaining about this in a review, but whatever. And then it wasn't until I went in that store and I realized that Twilight must've been filmed here or something.
0: Yeah, that makes more sense because I didn't understand what that was about either. But
1: then I looked around as we searched for our ultimate restaurant and there was every other store is called twilight something. Some it has twilight in the name somewhere. That's too bad. And then we ended up going to a delicious, best-rated pizza place called Port
0: Pacific, Pacific Pizza.
1: Pacific Pizza. Pacific Pizza. Which has more than pizza. Neither of us even got a pizza.
0: No, I got the the uh, Porta Bella ravioli.
1: Bella is in quotes.
0: Yeah. Um, and then they had a whole Twilight menu that I could have.
1: Yeah, got. Twilight themed menu.
0: Bella lasagna. Another. Yeah, I didn't really
1: get that one very much. Um, <laughs> I did
0: not get that one.
1: <laughs> I got a grinder.
0: I got a potato. <laughs> <laughs> that is not Twilight flavored You're either.
1: Like, Maybe the potato looks like that one guy
0: from Twilight. It does look like that one guy. We all know. Who you're talking about. <laughs> so, but yeah, that, it was, it was really good. It was nice. It was like a, like a home-style meal. Chris got some, some uh, salad bar. It looked pretty good. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. We just hung out for a second. Just, like, got warm.
1: Although the salad bar was one Serving.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's no how salad back. bars are. I know, be. I
1: was like, I don't know if you guys know what a salad bar is, but it, I You could like write
0: it, a review, you could be like, the audacity, you didn't name this they salad did,
1: bar. I mean, they, they pointed it out on the menu and on the salad bar itself and everywhere, so I wasn't confused or I wasn't... And it was cheap. Well, yeah. It costs as much as one salad. I guess it's a great thing because you get to make whatever salad you want, but I was also like, salad mm-hmm. bars are not...
0: Well, they're worried that somebody's going to get real hungry and then just like
1: eat all the salad. Yeah,
0: and you know what I would have done is I would have got a whole bowl full of peas because I didn't realise there were peas on that salad bar and that's probably what I would have gotten. Yeah,
1: no. All I wanted was salad, but no Well one. I would have got
0: a bowl full of peas. No going but, back for salad. Yeah, speaking of that, I don't think anybody should ever write reviews ever. That's my only comment for that because I think only turds write reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Except for that one time. Actually okay, so I just I just called myself a turd because I did write a review for a book recently. That was amazing. Yeah, and I gave it five stars.
1: Every once in a while, I'm like, I should write reviews. A good one on Amazon. Yeah, like good ones. Yeah, good
0: one. And yeah, never. I don't
1: write reviews out of spite, but I'm like, I should reward these things and let other people know about these great things. And then I'm like, Nah. I don't know. Well, I
0: wrote that one under your name, so. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was a really good book. Okay. It's, it's a good book, but it was uh, very good um, ravioli.
1: Your pen name is Chris Heine.
0: Yeah. And I write all my fanfics under that <sighs> name too. So
1: Your slash fix of Star Trek.
0: Yeah. And um, so we uh, got out of there, and it's already dark. It's pitch black. There's no lights anywhere. And we're driving down the road in our um, white Jeep that we have. Random white Jeep. Yeah, our
1: uh, checkout situation where our car was kind of funny, because it reminded me a little bit of Iceland, where they seem like they didn't really care or weren't that organized
0: that was a front it could have been any of i mean they
1: they had nicer cars than they do in iceland but they we just were like which one's ours and they're like they were in a parking lot and they're like which one do you want and we're, we're like, like one with four like wheel drive and they're like there's this one and this one and this one and they just pointed them they're all different brands and different models and this they, one's
0: from uh colorado do you see that
1: i did see that it's a it's a white jeep renegade or something like that? I don't know. It looks like
0: a weird sports shoe.
1: It looks like a shoe, yeah. Yeah. Looks like a roller skate. (laughs)
0: It looks like a weird shoe. Looks like a
1: cabbage patch doll shoe.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. We don't, I mean, I'm not gonna be taking any photos of the car, but that's fine. But it works well for audiobooks. And are driving and so we were driving down the the highway again and we'd see all the little tiny shiny eyeballs of all the elk around the sides of the roads and of course like right after dusk that's exactly what you get it's like a million animals trying to get on the road and um, we just uh, pulled up to our little dirt road that is supposed to house our cabin And I wasn't exactly sure where it was, but we got some cryptic directions from the guy and I I figured out where exactly to go. So we drove down a tiny dirt road, through a couple of pipes, over to this like super steep hill and stopped at the top of a hill where we looked down into what seemed like an unnaturally deep abyss Yeah. coated in ice. Yep. And so we stopped the car and we said, okay, well, we're not going to go down there with the car. Um and slowly but surely grabbed all of our huge luggage (laughs) let me pause here for a second because anybody that's listened to the uh to the london diaries or the england diaries or whatever we called it with uh tegan and i will remember us talking about our giant baby Mm -hmm. our huge giant duffel bag well we have two giant babies with us this time there's a teal one and a black one both of which are filled to the brim with things that we probably don't need, like snowshoes. And Chris had to carry both of them down an icy, treacherous cliff to the bottom of where our cabin stayed. And as we approached the cabin, we crunched up the snow all the way up here to one that has a light on, and we looked at it, and Chris goes, Is there only a bed in there? And then I peeked in the window, and I said, Why, yes!
1: And what I meant by is there only a bed in there? It is literally a door that opens to a bed. (laughs) There is no floor. So we are sitting on a bed made out of either a futon frame or it's just two by fours put across a floor (laughs) and with a thin mattress and we have all of our bags on the bed with us because there is literally no it's just a it's a drywall room with a big giant glass window door and two giant glass windows on the side. And a bed for a floor.
0: There is though. There's
1: a, some hooks on the wall, and then there's a small mirror that probably measures about four inches by eleven inches, and then there is a DVD case with dodgeball and <laughs> meet the parents in it. But there just is no. There's. I don't. I guess they're just in case you bring a DVD player because there is yeah. literally nothing in this room.
0: There's a nice collage up here though. That's very nice. I like it. It's got an owl and some fungi
1: It is it. a drywall room made out of 2x4s. It's
0: not just drywall, though, Chris. This is plaster. I can tell.
1: Oh, yeah. I guess it is plaster.
0: Yeah. So they did a really good job. Chris seems to be skeptical about how comfortable this is, but they have a wall plate here, and there's also, outside, there's, like, a little sink. It happens to have um, frozen already, though, so we're yeah, not Yeah, so uh, water. This,
1: there is a, there's, like, a Culligan bottle on the porch that we can drink out of, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, and then on the porch, there's also a little stove. I think we can use yeah, like a Sterno camping stove. And then there is a path around the side that goes back to a porta potty. Uh huh. That you used and put
0: sawdust sawdust in. in. I sure did.
1: And then there's a big corrugated tin thing that apparently is a shower, but I don't think it is like pitch black outside, so I don't think anyone's going to use it tonight.
0: No, I'll probably shower in the morning. I feel like this is kind of one of those things where you have super adventure and you better go shower in that thing. And then there's a creek outside.
1: Yep. I was walking around.
0: Did you almost fall in there?
1: I didn't realize how close it was. It is, like, directly outside, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but it is amazing And even
1: when I shine my light on it, it's so black I couldn't see it. I can see the black stream of it, but I can't see any, like, evidence of water besides hearing it.
0: It could be, like, a million feet deep.
1: I doubt it, but it's like maybe three feet wide.
0: Yeah, I mean you don't know. I guess. So, um, but just
1: so a three feet by one million feet deep chasm. Yeah,
0: and uh, all the other people that stayed here are probably in there. So now it just became a ghost story.
1: Yes. So, so now it is seven, eight o'clock. Uh huh. And we are sitting on a bed. Uh huh. In the middle of a pitch dark black forest.
0: I think I'm going to make Chris go back up and get our coffee.
1: What, you didn't bring the coffee down? I
0: don't know. I didn't bring it.
1: I'm not walking up that hill again, probably.
0: You said you would. Mm. We're going to we're gonna make some coffee, play some board games, and I think we're going to wake up really early tomorrow. We're going to go to Ruby Beach, we're going to go to La Push, and we're going to go to <sighs> the other beaches down there. All of them. Yeah. And we're going to look at them. And we're going to get up and we're going to go do it super early. Don't crinkle your head, though. Because you got to do it. Because there's only, like, eight hours of daylight. And we've got <laughs> we to go over there.
1: Well, maybe you can go over there and pick me back up.
0: I would if I could get the car out of the thing. So, anyway. But it's been a good start to yeah. our massive adventure. We shall see... How the rest of this goes tomorrow, I think we're staying in a little tiny weird thing as well.
1: Oh, a tiny weird thing! Yeah, see that coming.
0: (laughs) That's what you get when you let me book these. All right. Well, until then, it's Sunday, December eighteenth, and we're sitting in a ranch-themed room, coated with saddles and bridles and brown. And a bucket of candy that was left by our Airbnb lady. It was actually very, very nice. Um, We got here after a long drive down the coast, the northern coast of Washington. Yep. Which was filled with animals and nature and lots of pine trees, as to be expected. Yep. But let's take you way back to yesterday, which I'm already starting to forget.
1: Well, we could always, we could go back not to yesterday, but to the day before When we last spoke to these people, uh, we had just—I think—we had just gotten to a cabin, our shack at at the bottom of a um, icy path. Is that correct?
0: We and uh, we we survived the night, obviously, because we're still here.
1: Yeah, except almost didn't because Lindsay forgot something in the car which was way at the top of a hill, and I had to climb all the way back up the hill in the pitch black to find whatever it was. I think you left LaCroix in the car, <laughs> and you were afraid they were going to explode.
0: <laughs> I was afraid. They were really important. I did uh, leave Lacroix in the car. Actually, I might have left them in the car tonight. So and your contacts, yeah. Oh, yeah, my contacts, because they can't live without those either. That, that and my LaCroix.
1: So I went up the hill, and it was really creepy because it was pitch black. We were in the middle of a frozen forest, and I was carrying a lantern. Except be, if it was a candlelit lantern, it would have been like a, like a pilgrim-age horror movie, but instead it was a LED light, but it was still very yeah, scary. Yeah,
0: the thing about that LED light, though, too, is for whatever reason, it shines everywhere except for on the floor where you need it to shine.
1: Right, because it shines out. Also, if you hold it up it blinds you yeah so you have to like hold it down by your knee or else you can't see anything anyway
0: i like to hold it behind me so that it casts my shadow on things and then it looks like i'm already walking where i'm walking
1: okay well i didn't do that i held it uh so i could see in front of me because i was trying to go up the hill and i was thinking about how if this is a horror movie somebody would jump out now i mean it was like pitch black and i could see nothing and it was just like dense forest immediately to my left and right, and I was just walking up this path, and it was icy and slippery.
0: So when you got up there, did you bust out of LaCroix, and then you got your energy back, and then you slid down the rest of the No,
1: when I got up there, even though we were the only people staying there, there was another car, a black car parked directly next to us.
0: Was there a person in there?
1: No. And then I was like, this is the last thing that I wanted to see here for some reason. Yeah, well, Because now I know that someone else is here, and we have a tiny cabin with a glass front door. And anybody who came through there would have had to walk by our cabin with our lights on. You see directly into the cabin. So they probably walked past us and saw us, and we didn't see them because...
0: Because that's how light works. That's, that's what my how mom says. Works. She says, anybody can see you. you get your lights on or whatever. You leave your windows open, and you're changing your PJs. People can see you.
1: Like it's a TV. I know. Like it's TV. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: Well, it's true. As you can see, if you're in a shack by yourself, a see-through shack, all the weirdos on the outside can find you.
1: So see as soon you. as I saw this car, I knew the moment I turned around, I would be face to face with somebody. And then I turned around, I wasn't. So then I dug through the car, and I had to be on the floor looking for your contact case and stuff like that. And then I was like, as soon as I closed the car door, there was going to be someone standing directly behind the car door with a machete. I guess. Uh, and the then, LaCroix. so there wasn't though, and I have no idea who those people were. And they were still there when the car was still there when we left. But anyway, so that was scary. Otherwise, we basically just um, stayed on the floor slash bed of this cabin and couldn't really do anything or move, which of course means Lindsay fell directly asleep.
0: Yes, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, exactly what I've been looking forward to because I feel like on a vacation you're you that's what you get to do but it was really comfortable and despite it being a see-through cabin in the middle of nowhere with no running water it was incredible that's exactly what I wanted so we went to bed and probably about an hour before sunrise my alarm went off and I had set it early because I knew we had to make it down to the beach so we were gonna go to Ruby Beach um, that day and we only have like eight hours of sunlight and so it was really important to be able to get up so The alarm went off, and I forgot where we were, because it was actually super comfortable, and I opened my eyes and realized that I could actually see some stuff, and I don't know whether it was the moon shining through, or if it was just the snow reflecting, but it was not too bad, and over the next half an hour, when I was groggy, I saw um, slowly, slowly, slowly the inside of the forest started to become a little bit lighter, Uh, and I was really hoping to see some elk, because we were truly right down in there. Um, Outside, I think as we said before, was a a dark creek that was running through that all Mm. night had a bunch of awesome white noise, it was just beautiful. So I got up, put on my normal clothes, took one look at the outdoor shower, which I thought I had the guts to go in there and take a shower, but I did not. I foregoed the shower to uh, have some coffee instead, and so I emptied out every last remnant and I think you watched me do this, of every weird water bottle that we had into a tiny pot and made us some weird, strange coffee. And oatmeal. And oatmeal with remnant water. It was probably all your backwash. Right. But anyway, I drank it, and it was delightful, and it was nice to have some coffee, but we sat out there, and I babysat that thing um, for, I don't know, 15 minutes or so as you packed everything up, and so... It was nice. And so it was very quiet. I never saw the people in the black car.
1: Yeah, so all of this stuff we kind of did before dawn. By the time we were packed up, it was light. Um, but I think we started when it was still like that very weird, you can see, but there's it's blue. It's pretty much black and white. It makes me realize how when you when there's no light, you see basically in black and white. Um because everything was just like pure black and white and then slowly color came into the world
0: and as the color came into the world we scurried back up the slope and tried to dig our car out of a big slippery crazy uh, precipice that we had parked it on
1: yeah so thanks to that car we had to back out of this area and not hit that car and which means i kept trying to back out and the car would slide probably like six inches or a foot to the right
0: which is right on the edge of a cliff
1: and it was right on the edge of a barbed wire fence which prevented you from going over a cliff so I was like trying to I mean, it was to... a piece
0: of wire I'm sure the, the car probably would have plowed right through the piece of wire
1: right yeah I know Well, yeah. the barbed wire fence was to keep you from going off the cliff
0: they were like oh here is a barricade a mental barricade
1: yeah so I had to struggle with that but eventually we got out And did not get. Well, I was also I was afraid of falling off the cliff, but I was also just afraid of scratching the crap out of our rental car.
0: Because I declined the insurance because (laughs) that's how I do. So anyway, we got on the road and we raced down to a very scenic race, very slow and not very fast race down to Ruby Beach, where it was so early that we we're surprised to see that another uh, car was there, but as we kind of scurried down the bank and through this little tiny walkway to an area that was right on the edge of the park and right on the edge of the beach, we kind of walked over a couple big fallen logs and realized that the entire beach was just coated with frost, uh, frost-covered logs and ice crystals that looked like little tiny fur pieces, um over each one of the logs almost like somebody had just sprayed it with flocking. Yeah. And so everything was truly again black and white. Now, off in the distance there were some sea stacks. It were big black sea stacks with a couple scraggly trees growing out of the top of it and the waves were crashing around each one. And it was a little treacherous trying to kind of skip around on top of these logs and I was kind of gingerly stepping through each one and Um, not wanting to make any footprints for whatever reason. I don't know if you ever feel like that, but it was such a pristine, beautiful scene that every time I put my foot down, I was worried about raking all the ice crystals off of all the things that we were near. So we got out into a clearing, and you looked one way, and you saw all of these logs that had somehow been washed up onto this bay.
1: Like hundreds of them.
0: Hundreds of logs that were super thick, that were about just
1: like like telephone poles, or if they were like three times as wide.
0: Yep. And but they um, were
1: perfectly stripped and stuff.
0: They were huge by so the ocean. Obviously. Imagine a car tire, sort of extruded into a huge, long tree. <laughs> you know, and it was just uh, that's what a log looks like. Yeah. I know it looked like a tree. It looked like a tree. So anyway, they were everywhere, um, but had been bleached by the waves and by the sun and also were covered in frost. And so we found the only bridge, the only pathway over um, like a big river or rivulet or whatever of rushing water that was coming from up in the mountain kind of down to the ocean. And so it was kind of having all this fresh water uh, create all these ripples against the sand all the way out to the ocean. And we could see on the other side of this river, there were these huge sea stacks. And no one was over there. Um, well, there was only
1: one, two other people on the whole beach. So. Yeah, and then
0: they left. And so there was absolutely nobody, and so we had it to ourselves. And said to Chris, I bet you we can get over there. I'm sure there's a bridge. I'm sure there's something. And so we looked down at our boots, and we realized that we had our big Minnesota clompers on, which um, Chris, Chris's came from, I don't even know where.
1: I don't know where Fleet either.
0: Farm or something like that. And I've got some, some versions of those, too, that have, like, the, the duck bottom, you know? Like the big rubber piece on the bottom and I was like whatever just go like splashing around in the in the water it's fine and so we took a couple steps out and realized it was too deep and then found a log that was slick with frost and looked at it for a second and thought maybe we could get over it and so we spent the next like 15 minutes looking for the best walking stick to stable ourselves across this big fallen log and so I thought about this as we were carrying electronics uh, over this giant log, and I thought, like, oh, how crappy that would be if I fell into this water. Well, you
1: have, like, a phone. I had a phone, a giant camera, and three lenses in my pocket, so I was like...
0: And you're also the clumsy one, so I'm sure that probably was <laughs> extra nerve-wracking for you. But I, would, I had a tiny little stick... That i thought was gonna do it but it was probably it's probably your about, stick
1: was like as tall as the logs so it was like it was only like two and, and a half feet holding it into the water i was like, so bent you were over, basically like basically bent old over crumb. yeah with a walking stick that was like two feet below her
0: yeah that didn't work out and then i stood up and then i just used it on the log i probably looked like a turd going across it i, I don't know i think
1: everyone else there's another couple or another couple came down and they were watching us and i think they were jealous
0: I'm sure they were probably jealous of my awesome stick. And you found like a huge stick that was probably taller than you. Um and you could have like gondolaed the the log around with it, you know?
1: Yeah, the log was like twenty feet long though, so it was quite a balance balance beam act. You couldn't just take two steps across it. It was like
0: And imagine, just like coated in, in frost. And so the entire thing was icy and there was rushing icy water all over the place. And so we slowly, slowly slid our way to the other side and jumped off and put our put our sticks um, against another pile of logs over there for later, and um, ran out to the sea stacks and watched all of the water kind of come rushing through the holes in the rock. Uh, it was interesting because I thought for sure we would just see tons and tons of creatures. There was like little tiny pieces of rock where uh, tide pools had had sort of formed. Um, and I poked my head into one area and kind of looked for him, and the only thing I could see was just a single white sea anemone just kind of waving in a pond all by itself in a tide pool. And there was nobody else. No other creatures. No crabs. No anything. I thought for sure it would just be everywhere, but I don't know where they go.
1: I don't know. Where do South, they go? South, I don't
0: know. South? Go Maybe. deeper
1: in the water. I don't Probably. know.
0: But we spent a good long time there, and it was just beautiful. So the sky was gray, and like all the logs were gray, and the sand was gray. The whole thing was just beautiful and gray. And um, we eventually made our way back up there um, and uh, got in the car and decided to go to a couple other beaches. So we went all the way up to Rialto Beach um, and stopped there for a moment. And it started to kind of like drizzle outside. And that was another place, too, where it's just amazing. You can see, of course, all, all around you is just all these trees, just, you know, massive trees that are both living and decaying and also ones that had fallen in the ocean and kind of swept back up. So, you know, it's no surprise that every single beach has like 40 million dead trees on it. But I think being from uh, Minnesota is interesting because you see... Other things around bodies of water because we've got Lake Superior and Lake Michigan and like 10,000 other lakes, you know, mm-hmm. but not in that amount of, you know, structure. You don't see that many trees in the same place. Yeah. Not to that scale either, you know? Right. So, um, so we spent some time there as well. And eventually, um, we had talked to a person the day before about the tide coming in. It was right around about like 1.30. It was
1: the park ranger.
0: <laughs> the nice park ranger. And, yeah. and she was like, yeah, you don't want to be around when the tide is high. So, and it, there wasn't many places to go because, again, you know, the ocean ate the land. And so we couldn't go anywhere. And so we were kind of <laughs> sitting near it and um, realized it was a great time to go and get something to eat. So um, we went down to a seaside cafe in La Push which looked like one of the only restaurants, possibly the only restaurant that was there. And it had a beautiful giant totem pole outside. uh, And all around were boats called the Leviathan and uh, names of all sorts of interesting sea creatures around this tiny marina and crows everywhere. Just piles and piles of crows. And
1: some seagulls.
0: And a couple seagulls and maybe a duck or two. But... I was amazed because this entire time we've been seeing tons of crows just kind of hanging out in you know different areas and we sat by the window and watched a crow eat something um, outside in the marina and of course everything over there was covered in moss and so I had uh, some clam chowder which was quite clammy and some fried clams which were also clammy in a good way Not in a gross way. Um, And we enjoyed, like, just sitting for a little bit. Of course, we warmed up and took a moment and, you know, got back in the car. And uh, we had heard there was a really nice trail um, just, I don't know, maybe just a mile or so down the road. And we found a parking spot or, like, a little tiny overflow parking thing or whatever it was called just a little parking lot outside of the forest um, just a tiny bit outside of La Push and parked her car and got out and walked down a trail to Second Beach and as we stepped into the forest we saw towering trees that were hundreds of years old that had split at the top and a piece had fallen off and the tree had tried to save itself and had a new offshoot that sort of went out like a like a cactus arm, you know. Yeah. And we would see huge fallen trees with the circumference of the old stump being bigger than a car, with tons of other trees growing out of it. Things that had crashed very recently, probably in the last year or so, um, with the green like the greenery or the foliage still intact. Giant, huge root balls that had pulled up that made like massive holes in the ground in a giant circular uh, almost palm shape and so we looked under some of these things and walked along for a while and we could hear like the little tiny chirps of birds every now and again but otherwise it was a very still and very silent place and so it was interesting being inside like an under the canopy of a huge forest like this because every time you would look up you would get a little bit of vertigo because the, the trees would just go forever and ever and ever and every now and again I'd raise my phone up to take a photo and it would just be this big blinding white light shooting through all the treetops that would just completely blow out my photo and I would look at it again and look at it with my normal eyeballs and I'd think to myself like it's so dark in here like how how is this even possible but if you catch the light at the right angle, as we did, as we got closer and closer to the beach, you could actually see huge light rays streaming through the treetops, through all the leaves, through all of the trees, um, all the way to the ground because it was kind of misty and it was kind of moist in there. And of course, everything was covered with ferns and moss. Um, and the smell of the entire place smelled like it—it <laughs> it smelled like a bag of dirt. Which I can't even explain any better than that. But it was it smelled like a bag of dirt. That's a specific spell. It is, and it was, smelled great. It smelled fresh. You know? Yeah. Loamy. Loamy? Yeah. Okay. Loamy?
1: I don't know that one.
0: Well, you gotta look it up. Okay. So but it it was really cool. And so the path through here had obviously been um sort of manicured by somebody that was taking the long way around. And it was a very scenic, very meandering, very interesting path where you had to kind of climb over giant roots of ancient trees and down past other spots where there were patches of rocks. And eventually we found ourselves going down a slope. Um, Somebody had carved some stairs like around the trees, and around the fallen logs, and you could see some where they had chopped one with a chainsaw in half because it had fallen down maybe like a year ago. And we eventually found a clearing where through the trees we could see the sea stacks. And there was one particular sea stack that had a rock perched on top, and so it was kind of this big hulking oval-shaped, almost like a, like a tiny head on a huge, like, shouldered body. And it was hairy, and of course, you know, for our travels in Iceland, we always think about sea stacks as trolls. And I sat there for a second. I could see it through the trees, because we were still in the forest at that time. And I could see it, and as my eyes focused outwards, you could see the hulking forms of other sea stacks around. And some of them were, uh, you know, just way off in the distance, with atmosphere between us that made it kind of this hazy, pastel shape. And so we clambered down to the bottom where there were just piles and piles, again, of driftwood. And we skipped over some of those and crawled through them and had to kind of go on our hands and knees through uh, a huge like pile of them that had just gone right up to the edge of where the stairs were with the, the trail. And we walked along the beach for a second. And at the time, uh, the waves were crashing in, and it's funny because there must have been tons of sand underneath it because the waves would crash in, probably 50 feet out, and then the foam would slowly inch its way, very carefully, all the way up to rest by our feet in a very, like, paced and kind of deliberate manner, and so it would come in. And then recede very very slowly and it was this kind of an interesting and like meditative walk down the beach and so we went as far as we possibly could to look at some of the um the cliffs on the right hand side and we stood for a second kind of looking out there and watching the waves Um, eventually we headed back to the the tiny headed sea stack and skipped around it and so as the waves went out we had a chance to kind of climb around it real quick and try not to get our feet wet and on the other side we found a huge buoy that was probably as big as a car and it was yellow and it was old and it was rusty and on top of it it had Japanese writing and I wish that I knew Chris what that said and I wish you had taken Japanese too.
1: Well I didn't so I I have a picture of it though so we can Translate later? yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought about that for a second, and I was just like, holy crap, that thing traveled so far to get here, and somehow, and you saw how far up on the beach it was. I mean, it was on top of a bunch of logs, way up in there, so the waves must have taken it all the way from the sea and just piled it up on top. So I thought about how long that probably had taken to get from one side of the ocean to the other. It was a a beautiful beach and sun started to set and it got caught behind some of the sea stacks and we stood there for a while longer taking photos and hanging out and of course everybody had gone except for the couple other photographers that were just coming down to set up camp. And so you could see them setting up their big tripods and just waiting for sunset to come by.
1: Yeah.
0: And I thought about that and I'm like I'm sure everybody probably goes and takes their like their their you know serene sunset pics probably
1: make money off of it
0: well yeah that's what I would do if I had remembered a tripod on our way
1: back up everyone was racing down the path we hadn't we'd seen a couple people maybe on the way down but on the way back up we saw twice as many people as we saw all the way down and they were all carrying like tripods and cameras and they were like in a big hurry because they obviously had been like I'm gonna go take that sunset picture and then sunset was a quickly 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 approaching
0: and by a lot of people, he means maybe just like a seven people. Yeah. And so we, on the other hand... It's a
1: lot of photographers for one beach, though. Yes, <laughs> with it their, is. With it's
0: a pretty big beach. Well, we had found out that you could take um, a trail at low tide. You can actually walk all the way down for miles down the coast and see an incredible array of cliffs and sea stacks all the way down. And we didn't have time this time. Um, In fact, we had gone up, started our way back up, and we're catching like the last rays of light coming through the forest. We got all the way back up there, totally breathless, got in the car. I think I ate a piece of a potato that I've been carrying around in the car for like a couple days now. And uh, (laughs) we decided to go to First Beach, which was back by where we had lunch.
1: Yeah, we had been right next to it and didn't realize it.
0: We didn't realize it. So we got out of the car at First Beach, and there was a huge root ball uh, from a tree that stood right there, right in front of this big kind of sandbar. And, again, you look down just a little bit, and there, again, was another photographer setting up his stuff, mm-hmm. waiting for the sunset. So we caught the sunset there at First Beach, and it was pink and purple and black and beautiful, and it was just really incredible. So um, we knew, of course, that we had to make our second, or a third, our third stop uh, for our cabin for the night, and I had booked Chris and I a tiny little uh, cabin on wheels um, at a local farm. And so we got back in there, and it was it was a little bit past dusk, it was pretty dark outside yeah. by the time that we... Arrived and we found this tiny cabin. It was just obviously like a, like a kit, you know, like yeah, it was kind, like a tiny home. Yeah, like a tiny home, and I was like cool. So we got in there and we put. But it was
1: parked in the middle of a lot, right next to a cow field.
0: And by cow field, I mean it was a smallish enclosure.
1: Yeah, like a football-sized field, with cows in it, and, and then, then a million cow.
0: Yes, a million cow poops. And then one huge bull had somehow gotten out of the fence and looked (laughs) incredulous at us. Like, what are you doing in this small home? And so we were like, ooh, that that feels weird. We're going to get in this home before this bull gets weird. So um, we punched in the numbers, opened the door, and it was already nice and warm. And I was like, oh, fantastic. We're home for the night. I have to go to the bathroom. And I ran into the bathroom and unleashed the fury (laughs) that, that sometimes happens when you eat clams with more clams on them uh for lunch and i went to flush the toilet and nothing happened and then i thought to myself wait a second hold on so i opened the tank and there was no water in there and i was like well this is embarrassing um
1: did the toilet have water in it
0: yeah, a little. And it was kind of musty looking. Uh, but I was like, what do I do now? How do I get this out of here? Because this is really awkward. And thank goodness it's you, Chris. And, of course, everybody else who's listening to this story. But yep. we I was all, like, we all understand oh, man. It. So I've soiled our cabin. <laughs> and <Soil. laughs> I couldn't figure out what to do. And I looked back at our Airbnb thing and I thought... Oh, okay, all right, okay, no problem, just gonna contact the person. I looked and I said, oh yeah, this is the one where the guy's in Poland. Okay, so I'm gonna have to live with the funk for 24 hours, or I could call his dad, who might have his number for some reason. So I'm gonna do that, and I was just like, I wonder how easy it will be for me to tell him to help with the water without revealing my secret here and so i called his dad and i got the answering machine and i was just like oh my god so then i called a sister and i was like hello sister uh and as i was on the phone with her um we got a knock at the front door of our tiny cabin and a gray-haired man with a beard with galoshes on up to his knees green galoshes and rubber pants with suspenders and a fisherman's hat. Yeah. He says, hey, I couldn't find a phone. And I was like, huh And so as I'm, on, I'm the, on the phone with the sister, and I'm trying to get off the phone with the sister. And Chris is trying to talk to the man. And I'm trying to hide the fact that I crapped in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't figure out how to get it out of there. And so... I was like, oh, sorry, Bridget, I'll call you later, your dad's here. And so I hung up with her and I said, oh, hey, sorry. And the the old man says, nobody told me you were staying in here. Nobody told me. Bridget didn't tell me. Nobody told me. And I said, well, uh, Joe said it was okay. And then he was like, what? Joe's in, Joe's in Europe. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Can you please help us turn on the water? And so he kind of shuffled off and he's, oh, okay, okay. And he shuffles over, and we can hear him banging around and talking to himself outside. And he's twisting things, and we can hear like some like bonking noises and some weird whistles and some other weird right. stuff. Right. Well,
1: he had disconnected the water because it is unseasonably cold, so it he is. didn't want it to freeze. So there, he was reconnecting this tiny home to all of the outlets and septic tanks or whatever is out there.
0: And uh, he came back over and he knocked on the door. And he says, okay, all right, should be okay. Did the water get on? And we're like, what? And so I quickly ran and turned the sink on because I didn't want him to go in the bathroom. And we were, and a small trickle came out, about the size of half of a pencil. And we said, yep, looks good. Okay, <laughs> thank you so much. And he's just like, okay, then, well, you leave that on all night. And we were like, yep, yep, okay, see ya. And so he left and... I was able to flush the toilet. However, we ended up realizing that that tiny half a pencil of water was not enough to take a shower.
1: Well, more importantly than that, it was fine to take a shower because the pencil became a small dribble dribble in the shower, but he did not hook up or turn on the water heater. (laughs) So it was ice cold water.
0: And coming out at a dribbles pace, it's like if I had a squirt gun, and a and a dribbly one, just a dri- like, or if I if I had a mouthful of water and I just kind of opened my mouth and then water came out. That's what it was like, but in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. And so we thought, oh man, we skipped our weird ice cold shower in the shack, and now we don't have any hot water. Well, I guess that's fine because I suppose that we've taken showers in other weird places. So. I was like, Whatever, Chris is fine, it's totally fine.
1: Well, you just didn't want to talk to the old man again.
0: I did not I, I did not I, I I was like,
1: just give me his number and I'll no. call him and she's like I was no, like, No, I this won't. is
0: weird enough. Weird enough. I'm cool with the cold shower, it's fine. And I thought about it and I was just like, Whatever, this old man didn't even know we were coming. And so um Oh, it was so sad. And so we were like, It's fine, we'll just take a cold shower, it's totally mm-hmm. cool. So
1: so then you run upstairs. I went
0: upstairs and our, I had to work and by on upstairs. A bunch this of is a
1: tiny home, so this is like up a, a loft, ladder. Up a ladder, so she's above the kitchen on a on a air mattress.
0: I was. <laughs> it was good.
1: And Lindsay pulled out her Cintiq.
0: That I somehow <laughs> brought all the way over.
1: You know, we're roughing it with yeah. our Cintiq. Yeah, I know. And started working on a pattern she forgot to send, and I was like, "Well, screw this. I'm gonna take a shower." Because I skipped the shower and I, Lindsay had been like, there's a great thing with all sorts of amenities coming up next, so don't worry about it. Yeah, it was So fine. I slowly trickled a pot full of water and then I slowly heated a pot full of water on a sterno oven <laughs> and then I, or a sterno <laughs> stove, and then I took that into the bathroom and I had a sponge bath out of a, <laughs> <laughs> out of a pot in the cabin.
0: It was good. I feel like that's the way you got to do it, though. I mean, it's probably more comfortable than...
1: It was also incredibly scalding hot, so I had the cold (laughs) drizzle on, and I would pull out a burning hot thing and, like, juggle it in my hands until I got it.
0: See, I think you did it wrong, because when I took a bath out of the pot, (laughs) I made it lukewarm. And I was like, this is great. This is a great pot full of water.
1: All right. Well, it was okay still have not really showered but that's okay Mm
0: -hmm. it was good enough so that was an adventure other than that it was awesome like so
1: yeah it was a cool little house yeah no, if it it had hot water it would have been awesome
0: that would have been super awesome they had a whole fridge in there that worked which was good I put my half a potato that I've been carting around for a while in there and I pulled it out later that night and had another piece of a weird potato that was good and uh, yeah, it's mm, it's too bad I had to work on stuff that night. I thought maybe playing some games or doing whatever would have been better, but nope. That's what I get for poor time management. So we went to bed and we got up this morning and we got up a little late. And so we made our way out of the tiny cabin and straightened it up and wished it well and got back on the road. I don't even know what we did. Oh, I know what we did i was like i forgot went what we went to did. breakfast we went to breakfast we went to breakfast so on the way down because here,
1: we, d- we normally we would make oatmeal and coffee but because we could only get a trickle of water i was like we I had don't-
0: also taken a shower in the only pot that we had yeah
1: and i was like i don't want to sit here and have to try and wash out sticky oatmeal with a trickle of water <laughs> so let's just not dirty our dishes let's and let's not. just go
0: so we went and we drove all the way up to Forks, um, which again, as you will remember, is a charming uh, town that was built in the '40s and it has Twilight Fever.
1: Oh yeah, Twilight Fever. Yeah. And also, you didn't mention maybe you did, but La Push. So Twilight Fever is in is in Forks. Yeah. But only the vampire side, and then La Push is like the werewolf side, and they have a sign on the, um, the city limits or whatever that are like no vampires or treaty zone or something like that and then they have a picture of the werewolf kid or the yeah
0: whoever that guy is the one that looks that's got the pig nose you know who i'm talking about that guy sorry that guy i yeah. know i know i just felt bad now i feel bad i'm sorry you don't look like a pig <laughs> <laughs> you got a nice nose all right anyway But his cutout was on that one yeah. And so we went back there and we were like, we whatever. back
1: to Twilight Zone, yeah.
0: We need some coffee, really bad. And we were going to stop at one of many tiny little roadside tiny homes that have coffee in them. Except for instead we saw a revolving sign that we thought was particularly chi- charming that said coffee house and breakfast. And we thought, those are two things we want. We should go in there. And so Chris pulled into a driveway. And as we pulled in, all the people stared through the window at us and I was packing up my stuff and I was looking back at him like why are they looking at our car that is interesting it's probably because it looks like a shoe
1: I didn't notice them looking at it. well they car. were all
0: looking and so we we ended up meandering in uh, and they had an airlock first thing that we noticed we walked in and there was like kind of a Christmas flavored smelling airlock then you had to go through another sliding door just like in star trek times you know star trek enterprise and i think
1: the only reason you thought it was weird is because it looked like a sliding door but you had to use your hands instead of some sort of sensor
0: Mm Mhm. and then so i used my hands yeah and instantly as i went through the airlock it went from smelling like christmas to smelling like urine (laughs) Let me repeat that. We were in a breakfast place that smelled overwhelmingly like pee. So much so that I sat down and I was like, my eyebrows got so low that they went into my eyeballs. And I looked at Chris and his eyebrows had gotten so low that they went all the way into his cheekbones. And he goes, does it smell like pee in here? And I went, yes, yes it does. And we looked around for a second because we thought maybe... There was pee on the seat, or maybe somebody had peed, and we couldn't tell where because there was a bunch of kids behind us. We were thinking maybe, maybe those kids had peed on something, and then I looked at the carpet, and it looked like everyone at some point had come in and peed on it, because the entire thing was black and splotchy. It's probably a centuries of pee, or probably can't be centuries. Probably since nineteen forty-five, pee every day, all day, for the entirety. Of the last, like, 80 years. Okay? So then, of course, what do we do? We ordered some food. And smelled our coffee. No,
1: I... Yeah, we did. We ordered food, and then I was like, I'll pull out this fun board game to play on this sticky <laughs> coffee house waffle table. And then I immediately dropped it, all the cards for my game, into the crevice between the seats.
0: So let me describe this again to you. (laughs) So most restaurants if you look at the wall on the side of a booth, you will often find flecks of food, spatters from people's soup, little bits of macaroni stuck to it, weird tiny chunks, things that might have maybe been stuck in somebody's teeth, but now they're all over the wall. So imagine that, but imagine having to put your hands on it and, and ruffle through your board game items with that right next to it. But inside a dark crevice underneath the table that smelled a lot like pea.
1: Anyway, I got all the pieces back, so <laughs> that's what's important.
0: <laughs> so we ended up having actually a pretty good meal there. It was it was cheap, it was good. There's a weird green thing on my pancake. I can't tell what that was, but it was fine. And then Chris had like a crunchy hair stuck in his, which was fine.
1: It's fine. That was okay.
0: That was fine. We get cat hair in our stuff all the time, anyway. So, but we um, took our. Oh yeah, that's probably in the car right now, isn't it? Your I left pancake? the. Yeah, I left my pancakes in the car with my potato that I. <laughs> like a weird collection of antique food, and so, uh, we took our pancakes to go, and we got back on the road, and we decided at the last minute that we were going to head up to. Um, What's it called? Cape Flattery?
1: Cape Flattery, yeah.
0: And we saw on a map, because I bought a tiny little book when we were over there at the Ho Rainforest Visitor Center about all the hikes in the area. And one of them happened to be on the farthest northwest corner of the entire peninsula. And uh, it was just one single one up there. And I was reading through the book, and Chris is going down the highway. And I thought... Maybe we should go to that one because it says it's really cool. And so we veered off to the left and headed all the way up to the tippy tip of the of the Northwest Peninsula and um, stopped at a really happy gas station where everybody was super smiley and they all loved each other and it was really adorable. Even the lady that gave me the bathroom key was really friendly. And so we kept going and we got to an area where um, we were driving along the coast and it was amazing. I have never seen so many bald eagles in my life. Every now and again, just like every couple minutes, I would look up and there'd be a huge bald eagle stuck in a dead tree up there, just like hanging out, waiting for something. And there was a point where I had seen them being flying over, flying over, and there was one particular area where we pulled off really quick because I saw two of them sitting right next to each other just hanging out in a tree, and I was like, Chris, get out! Chris has this great telephoto lens, and so we peeked at him for a little bit, but you know, you don't ever really see them just out and about, you know? Like I think I've seen them in uh, like some wildlife rehabilitation centers or something, but uh, there are a couple that just kind of hung out there, so we watched them for a second and we kept going. Eventually, we were almost to where we were gonna get out to uh, go and hike, and we parked our car and started down a trail um, towards Cape Flattery, and so it was supposed to be maybe just like a mile and a half uh, trek down there, so like a half an hour walk, and it was the most magical path that I've ever seen. And so the day, of course, had been a little gray and kind of a little drizzly, so everything was evenly lit, And inside the the forest, um, it was super old growth, so everything had these, like, crazy witchy hands kind of coming off of it. You know, great bowed branches that came in, like, you know, tens or twenties at a time, where it just looked like fingers, like gnarled fingers coming off of the giant trees. And so some of the wood had fallen, so these great bright oranges were all around us, and then the bright greens of the mosses and the ferns. And we were walking down this pathway where somebody had painstakingly made a beautiful little boardwalk with just very natural looking planks and it meandered through the trees and the fallen ones where like the, the root balls had kind of come up and of course you could just see all of it at once. And so the, it kind of snaked downwards a little bit um, and eventually we could see the coast through the trees and we realized we were up on a massive cliff. And so as we got to the very end, there was like a really cute, very, like, fairy tale-esque um, lookout point that had a big round area with a bunch of natural branches kind of as spokes around the, the guardrail. And we looked over the cliff to see these amazing caverns and caves that had been carved out by the waves. And the waves were just bright blue-green, you know, super clean water beautiful with like striking big white crests on the waves. And so we stood there for a second and watched this and it was just a, a great sound. and We were the only ones there. And um, we sat there for a while taking photos and just kind of listening. And there were a couple other lookouts that we went a little deeper, further into the Cape. And we stopped by one that looked over a massive, gaping cave that had been hollowed out in the sandstone by the waves and it would crash in and kind of pull the water back out and it was sort of this weird, uh, obvious sea-like ebb and flow of course. But I thought about that for a second like just how much water was moving at once. These big huge cavernous gaping holes inside the side of the, the coast and so we stood there for a second and Chris goes, hey look, look do you see it? Do you see the baby, the baby squirrel? And I was like, wait, what? And I turned around and there was a tiny little red squirrel just sitting there chewing on a pine cone and it couldn't have been any bigger than my fist and I have small hands. And so it was a tiny little cute guy and he was just staring off into the, um, I don't even know where he was staring. He was just staring and eating and he had white eyeliner and a big red belly, kind of reddish orange belly. And he was eating this bright red pine cone, and just, just like a cob corn, just twisting it, and all the little pieces were falling off. And he sat there, with his tail wrapped up around his back, um, I don't know, for maybe five, ten minutes. And we watched him for yeah, a very long time. He ate
1: the whole pine cone.
0: He yeah. ate the entire pine cone. and, then and he left. A little tiny sawdust pile, where it used to be. And we watched him for a second. and We were like, oh, that's so cute. And then, as we walked, he was
1: really small, though.
0: He was so small and so cute. As we walked to the very last lookout point, we noticed now, of course, after having seen him eat that, tiny piles everywhere.
1: Yeah. They must, like, grab the pine cones and go someplace flat so they go, like, out on the walkway and eat the pine cones.
0: And there were just little tiny sawdust piles everywhere. And we're like, oh, of course. Of course that's what you would do. And so we got out um, to the edge of the, like, the very tip of uh, the cape. And we looked out, and there was a tiny island out there, and it was really neat because, you know, all the colors over here—like burnt orange, kind of looking color, uh, like a you know forest green, of course olive greens, this like kind of blue green, gray. Looked out over the ocean, and there was like a, a little tiny slab of an island with a lighthouse on it. There were all those colors all at once. It was very picturesque, really beautiful. We kind of ended our day there and got back in the car and took the long drive along the coast the new scenic drive all the way back to Port Angeles where we stopped to grab um, a bite to eat there.
1: Also we almost hit a deer
0: Well we didn't almost hit a deer but we saw it uh, a tiny baby deer and Chris put on the brakes and pulled to the right and the car behind us who was tailing Chris like by like two inches um, slammed on his brakes and you could hear them for 15 seconds of squealing. yeah, Just squealing and of course we're in icy territory and so I, we kind of braced ourselves to think about whether or not we're gonna get smashed from the back from this person who had just been like on Chris's buns the whole time. And the deer ran off and the person stopped and eventually the squealing stopped and um, they kind of tore off in front of us. And so I'm sure when you live here you probably don't marvel at every single tree on the side of the road, but I can't imagine, even in the entirety of living in Wisconsin out in the middle of nowhere, you just knew that there were deer everywhere. Deer yeah. Yeah, so, you know, even though the speed limit is what it is, like, I don't know. You ever hit a deer? I have not. I have, and it sucks. I'm sure it does. It's the worst. The one that I hit, I hit it like two miles an hour, and he rolled over and then got up and ran away, but still, it was the stupidest you know and um, you never want to hit a deer you never want to hit anything so um, so yeah so I was like jeez people are just fearless with their driving so anyway we drove all the way back in the darkness and eventually it was super super dark and not a lot of lights and we made it to our place today which is where we are now yeah. so tomorrow uh, we're going to get on the ferry we're going to head into Canada and uh, we'll report back soon Today is Wednesday, December 21st, and it's about 9 o'clock in the evening, and we're sitting around a big dinner table in our, what seems like the most luxurious house that we've had this entire trip. Um, We have, in the past several days, stayed in a shack in the woods on a uh, very nice tiny house without running water. Uh, We've stayed at a Horse Ranch. Range, yep. Yep. And uh, somewhere else. Oh yeah, hippie caravan. <laughs> and so...
1: And one more, a boat.
0: And so over the last couple of days, uh, we've we've added a couple of things to our um, list of awesome places to think about living in forever. Um, but right now, I'd, I'd say this is about the most normal one that we've had the entire time.
1: It's a normal kind of resort house with big fireplace and couches and televisions and rooms and showers and hot tubs and everything.
0: It's definitely a change. And for whatever reason, I feel like the last uh, day or so that we've been here, I've been thinking a lot about all the other places that we've stayed and kind of missing sort of the rugged weirdness of the last ones. So I think, uh, let's go way back.
1: All right, we left off sitting in the ranch in the bedroom that looked like, had saddles and cow print everything. Mm -hmm. And I know we talked a little bit about the room, but I don't think we talked about anything else about that spot.
0: Well, it was interesting because in the morning we woke up and we ate all of the snacks that the lady had set out for us.
1: Oh yeah, she left like candy bars and fruit snacks and little tiny, the tiniest juice boxes that were like the size of, probably smaller than like a credit card on their front side. (laughs)
0: They were so small. I think it's for little kids. But it doesn't matter because it was just enough for Chris to take one drink out of each um, of those. But she had really outfitted the entire place with lots and lots of treats. And so we got up and ate all of those um, and added to the pile of trash that we'd been eating for the entire time. It was actually really nice of her. And so we um, had heard from her right before we went to bed that she was going to be up until 4 in the morning or 5 in the morning and that we should just you know make our way out anytime we'd like and not to not to worry about you know checking out or whatever so we got our things together and we pulled them outside and there she was outside with her pack of seven dogs and if we hadn't mentioned before she had some real old ones like 17 or 18 years old and she had some young ones that she just got in november that um, she rescued from different places um,
1: yeah, I don't think we mentioned anything about this woman, but she was very uh excited. We got in pretty late and she was just like running us through the whole house and and kept talking and kept telling us about all sorts of stuff and would and then she mentioned she had a bunch of dogs and then we're like, "Wow, that's cool." And she's like, like "Want to meet love them?" Dogs. And then she like let them all out of the room and seven dogs circled us and we're all and they're like all bigger kind of like lab, Rottweiler sized dogs, so not like huge dogs, but like
0: They're not not seven chihuahuas, yeah. Yeah, and it was hilarious because she's like, oh, don't mind me. I just got out of the tub for one second. She had one of those giant white um, face
1: mask things on.
0: Yep, and she had her her robe on, and she, you know, I think any other person would have been like, oh, excuse me. Just go right ahead. I'll see you in a second, but not her. She gave us the grand tour with face mask and And took us around the house and showed us where the coffee maker was and she showed us how to figure out the thermostat and she showed us where all of the teapots were and she said oh yeah and over here if you need to use the laundry and then she's like oh I forgot I did my laundry and then she
1: and I was just like you are still in your bathrobe I feel like yeah most people would have been like I will not be seen like this but she was all she about was it. She was all
0: about it, yeah. So yeah. she was a hoot, and so we, we ended up seeing her in the morning outside where she gave us a grand tour of her giant RV that she had parked outside. And from the outside, it looked like a big big tour bus kind of thing. And um, our only experience with that type of thing was when we took that big trip down to Yellowstone and Grand Teton and our weird tour bus for a second uh, that we rented for $10 a day from the company. and trying to get us to relocate it. So we walked in uh, two steps up and she flipped the lights on and the entire thing was outfitted head to toe with even more ranch things that I had ever seen in my entire life. So many more saddles, so many more like, what are those things even, bridal ornaments or something like that? Yeah, they're like
1: bridles and different, yeah, like um, reins, all that kind of stuff. All the horse riding equipment you you have that then turns into decoration
0: and leather tassels and a bunch of other leather items and there was like a big bed with a bunch of mirrors all around it and i was like oh this at this fancy thing so and then she opened a secret door in the back and she said and this is where we keep the horses and i peeked in and sure enough there was a space for horse back there
1: yeah so it was like an all-in-one living space but also it, it was also a horse trailer so you could probably keep i don't know two or three horses in there so it was a big thing it was really cool
0: it was really cool and so we uh said goodbye to her and thanked her for the tour and drove carefully out.
1: drove without hitting one of her seven dogs which were very excited for us to be there
0: and we got out and headed back to port Angeles, where we
1: bought a ticket for a ferry
0: we did and so we had decided um back when we were booking our our random thing said why not we should go to canada i've never been to canada i don't know why I feel like that now's a good time, as any, to go to Canada, so we, so we did. So we went over and we booked our tickets, and we, after a couple, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, sitting in our car, we were waved over by um, a couple guys from the Black Ball Ferry line into a line of cars that was maybe eight or nine cars long. And here we are staring up at the giant, massive bulk of a huge ferry uh, and we've had a little bit of experience on ferries before when we were in Japan when we had to um, run oh, up there yeah. to go and go to Miyajima Island.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: this one, you drove your car directly into like a big parking bay. So we're sitting there and the people in front of us all got out and had a sandwich together and um, you know
1: punk- this is still in line, not even on the boat.
0: Yeah, it was it was on like the
1: dock. Yeah, on
0: the dock, and everybody's like having a good time, hanging outside, and it's still pretty decent weather out, you know. And eventually, they wave us on there, and we get out of our cars and walk up this big flight of metal stairs to the viewing area and the sitting area. And so, it's funny because it's kind of like a little tiny airport in there, where you have your gift shop and you have a little coffee. Station, you a little know, cafeteria little cafeteria, and you can sit along the windows or you can sit in some seats in the middle and kind of like hang out for a second. But our trip was about an hour and a half long and we were waiting to get to the Port of Victoria to get off. And um, I was, like always, really interested in sitting by the window. And so I saw one half of a booth open and I kind of walked over to this older lady that was sitting there. And I was like, hey, uh is this side of the seat taken may i sit here and she's like oh yeah go ahead so i sat down and i pulled out my knitting because for whatever reason i have some on this this time or crocheting excuse me and um sat there and waited for chris who slid into the a piece of a seat probably was looking at me like why are we sitting here because was a whole middle row that was totally open yeah but I was like, well, I've never been on this ferry, so I want to get a good window seat just in case amazing things happen. So the ferry pulls away from the dock, and we're sitting there with this lady, and she sighs, and she's drinking out of this big tumbler glass that she's got, and she's, oh, I had such a hard day. And she goes in to tell us all about how she works at an assistant... Assistant... Assisted
1: living care center. Assisted
0: living care facility, and oh, somebody didn't show up today, and oh, I'm visiting my daughter, and my grand my granddaughter, she's so great, oh, she's wonderful, also I've got a son, and his name is Mike, and my granddaughter calls him Monkey Mike, you know, like Unky Mike, but monkey is all she could say, and she's such a good kid, she is such a good kid, and I got her an iPhone 7, and I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this, but you know, she's so good, and I should get this for her. And then she's like, Excuse me for one second. And like an hour later, um, after talking, she goes up and she grabs like a huge pack of, of
1: duty free cigarettes.
0: Duty free cigarettes, a like big old honking case of them, and comes back down and continues. It's, oh, yeah, you guys are, are going to love it. There's all these things over here in Vancouver Island. Oh, you're going to love it. So we had a good time talking with her, and the trip was short, and it was interesting because. Uh, we noticed that the boat was rocking more than what I thought, you know? And it was just kind of an omen to come because I guess the sea right now, because of all the winter storms, has just been blustery and crazy and windy and um, Giant Ferry was rocking back and forth. And, you know, when we were sitting against the window, you could just see out to the horizon and every now and again it would bob. But if you looked across the ferry to the very other side, you would just feel like you were reeling back and forth. Yeah, like the horizon
1: would disappear and then come back in the site and then disappear. So we were actually rocking pretty far, I think. I I actually walked around. I was like, excuse me, this is a very interesting conversation, but I'm gonna go walk around. And then I (laughs) just wanted to go look outside. So I went out on the dock deck and there was hardly anybody out there, but I didn't realize how much we were walking until, or rocking until I was walking. And I would just run into a wall. You couldn't really feel you were like doing that, but it was like it was really hard to walk straight. It was almost impossible. So I know how sailors have like that sea legs kind of uh, swagger where they can walk straight on a deck, but it's actually really hard.
0: And it was it was really pretty, you know. And it's been really gray out these last couple of days, so we filed back into our cars and the entire place vacated. And everyone went to go sit and eat their sandwiches that they left in their car and waited for the, the gates to open. And they opened, and on the other side, we filed into little tiny lines and got up to the customs window, where a very nice man asked us what our plans were, and we sat there for a second, and Chris and I kind of looked at each other, because we didn't have any plans, so we were like, uh, and he's like, well, where are you going? What are you doing? How long are you going to be there? What's your plans? Where are you going to leave from? How are you going to get back to the United States? And we were like, um, 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 and so it was... A little nerve-wracking but he was a sweet guy and um, we pulled out a map and pointed at the things that we thought we were gonna do and he wished us a good vacation and we got through I feel like every time I go through a customs thing and you can't help but feel like you're doing something wrong yeah not doing anything wrong but it it still always feels like you're about to get in trouble you know Mm -hmm. so we got into Victoria which I'm sure was an incredible city but we instantly the second that we left the the dock area Got stuck in gridlock traffic.
1: I was going to say we got to see a lot of Victoria very slowly because we were trying to get through it, and we started on one side, and then we we're stuck in traffic all the way through it. I have no idea what was going on.
0: I have no idea what was going on either. But it, but all of a sudden, it went from being a gray day to being completely black outside, and so we took, because it was night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> because it was time came. Because it, it was four thirty p.m. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. Oh, it's so sad that that happened because we drove and we could tell because we had a couple hour drive to get to Port Alberni and that's where we were staying for the night. So we're in the car and we're listening to like the last bits of our audio book. The tree book. Yep. And we are sitting there and we can see little glimpses of silhouettes along the side of the road or every now and again we'd think we'd see a sparkle of a lake somewhere but we couldn't see anything and it's so dark here it is so pitch black in fact it is it is weirder and darker than you might think you know
1: yeah i don't know why it's so dark but it's like a even under a street light, you can't see your feet it's like a weird like inky blackness yeah that just engulfs everything i don't know if it's because there's zero Stars? Yeah, there's zero stars, but there's also like zero light pollution pretty much besides like immediately around you And maybe it's because you don't have like the glow of the city around you or something. I don't know. I it's re- it's the whole time We've been here. It's been like um, Kind of like eerily unnaturally dark.
0: We haven't run into anything super creepy yet, but we've uh, certainly been Trying to head indoors probably around four thirty five o'clock when the light is totally gone and of course today is winter solstice which means it is officially the shortest day of the year Mm. and so um as we've been headed to that um, we've done a fine job but not a very good job making use of all of our daylight hours but um we ended up pulling into port Alberni before that
1: we pulled into Tim Hortons.
0: Oh boy, we <laughs> pulled into Tim Hortons and got some trash to eat. And um, for whatever reason, Fill I up just on that trash. we filled up on some trash, and then and then got back in the car and got to Port Albany, which is a you know we pulled in and it was raining outside and it, it was, was rainy,
1: dark. The entire trip was incredibly misty. Yeah. So like, uh, like driving through clouds and it was pitch black and absolutely zero visibility as far as the clouds went so Lindsay was like slamming on the floor of the passenger side trying to break as yeah, we came up over every hill and turned every corner
0: it was i mean if you've ever been uh yeah well i think we said this before anytime you've ever lived in a place that's kind of out in the middle of nowhere you know there's deer everywhere you know you can't or there's bunnies that are gonna fly out of the forest or something like that you know i kept thinking we're gonna turn around and elk is going to be there that we're going to run over. But um, that did not happen. But We were driving in this low visibility and eventually got there and pulled up to a totally deserted dock with a single pickup truck in it at the very edge of Port Alberny and In out. pitch black. Rainy darkness. Rainy
1: darkness. It was like a Lovecraft story.
0: And when we looked out, the entire ocean that was right there was black and still and there were a couple tiny lights and other boats that were around in the harbor in different places but there was one a yellow and red boat connected to the dock that was kind of a a portly
1: little boat big wide yeah big wide boat
0: and um it was the only one there and so we made our way down the dock trying not to slip off the side of the rail and looked at it for a second, and we're like, is this where where we're supposed to be? And we climbed over a tiny little aluminum step bridge, and as I did that, I was gripping my backpack with my, (laughs) with one hand, and trying not to fall off on the other hand, because the boat is rocking slightly, you know, but I could just imagine, like, all my stuff flying off into the... (laughs) Like, into the water and completely just losing every single thing that was ever important to me all at once. Um, But we got onto the dock of the boat, and I started walking around it because I didn't know where it was going. And I heard a a door open from behind us, and we swiveled around to see a man um, standing there. And he said, oh, are you guys, you're here to, to stay? And we looked at him, and we were like, yeah. And he said, okay, come on. He held the door open for us, and we stepped in to what looked like, um, I don't
1: know. It was like a stately nautical parlor room or something with big stuffed leather couches and dimly lit, but there was like music playing and very dark woods and all sorts of stuff like that, I guess. That's what I remember.
0: He said, all right, well, let me show you your, your spot. And so he introduced us Um, To his wife, and I've since forgotten both of their names.
1: It was Daniel and... Oh,
0: Barouche, And they walked us past the kitchen, and there was a big old wood table, like a big slab table um, that was cut from the old wood around here. And we walked through a very thin hallway to the very back of a boat.
1: Like so thin that I had to turn sideways because it's thinner than my shoulder girth
0: we got to the very back and we're room number 35 and I looked around and I was was like surely there can't be more than like four rooms on this entire boat but he opened the door and inside was a bunk bed that was very small and a tiny little ladder with brass fittings and um, a big bronze porthole looking out at the left hand side and a little sink and Old-timey lights, the kind that's got the cage around them, all around the room, and some built-in shelves for somebody. But it was very small, and it was just enough room for you to go to bed and to have a couple couple little things. So (laughs) I claimed the top bunk, and Chris cursed my name for a little bit because he said that it was like uh, he was about to sleep in a tiny coffin.
1: It was very tight. And then also, Lindsay made me go on the bottom, and the top bunk had a lot more head space, so it didn't really make sense for me to be on the bottom when you are so small and close to the ground already.
0: (laughs) You're such a nice guy. And that's why I get the window seat on the planes, too. Because I need the visibility. That's why I get the window seat? No, that's why I get the window seat.
1: I know I don't get the window seat.
0: No, sorry. That's just how it's going to be, though. But (laughs) it was, it was... Super interesting because that boat, we found out later, was uh, from the 1940s and had lived through all sorts of interesting history. And so these people had bought it three years ago and rehabbed it for a B&B uh, and had totally done everything, upset their entire lives just to do this crazy dream that they had. So they sold their house. All their kids were out of the, out of the house at that time and they bought this boat without knowing what they needed to do and somehow figured out how how to do the thing that they've always wanted to do so
1: they ne- they weren't like sailing people they had never like owned a boat so they did it all from they figured everything out not not just like we're gonna we're sailing people so we're gonna buy a boat and then turn into thing they were like they didn't even live on the coast they lived in like ottawa or something
0: so they, they told us about it, and they said they had looked around for a really long time for a nice boat, and when they finally found this one, they knew it was the right one, and so they had to kind of refinish all the insides, but all the fixtures were, were the original ones, so all the portholes were still in all the rooms, all of like the little tiny bunks where the crew used to sleep were all there. Um, they had to update some stuff like the kitchen and whatever else but for the most part when you walked in you felt like you were in a 1940s boat it was really adorable and super cool the outside of course was made of like old hardwood and he talked a lot about that but I guess the boat had lived through all sorts of stuff Pearl Harbor
1: he said it was stationed at Pearl Harbor because it was actually a U.S. military boat originally huh. Um, he didn't say it was like in the pearl harbor harbor attack or anything like that so i don't know if it survived pearl harbor but it was stationed at pearl harbor for a long time and he has the manifest from everywhere it went throughout its entire career which
0: has to be awesome to look through that you know yeah and he said a lot of people have sort of kept this boat in good shape since then and obviously you would have had to in order to to have it looking like that but i mean whoever did it did a great job it was just beautiful so They asked us if we were hungry, and after putting all of our things down, we were like, well, kind of, because we had just eaten all that Tim Hortons. We were Mm -hmm. confused about our life choices, and so we sat down to be nice because it was just us, because I guess in the last couple months they had done a million catering events, and they were super tired, and they both looked like they just wanted to go to bed. But they said, no, no, come on, sit down, and we'll feed you, and they brought out like five or six different dishes of the most amazing stuff um, yeah just incredible food and they talked with us at length about everything from uh, like they told us a story about how this uh, the guy used to be a big moose hunter and so he's seen a lot of moose but the best moose story he ever had was he was driving down the highway with his buddy and he had to slam on the brakes because a mom and her calves were just putzing around on the road and not doing anything and, you know, 20 minutes passed and he was getting antsy and he starts beeping at them. And his friend goes, what are you doing? You shouldn't do that. You can't do that to the moose. You can't make some noise. Don't do that. And he's like, why? They got to get out of the road. They should get out of the road then. And so he waited another 10 minutes or so. And then he's like, beep, beep. And the friend was like, shouldn't have done that. And the moose looked up at him, walked over to the driver's side window, And smashed it with her forehead, and he just had to move off to the side. Glass was flying inside the car onto his lap, you know. And she gave a big snort and walked away. And his buddy was laughing. And you know, they had to drive in the winter and west the rest of the way home with a broken window and all the cold air coming in, all pieces of glass and everything. And so I was like, that is intense. I know people tell you not to mess with moose, you know?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about all the times in Yellowstone and stuff where they're like, moose are dangerous. Don't come up to moose or whatever. And he, you know, he's been living in Canada and he's hunted moose and all sorts of things his whole life. And he was like, no, you just got to run behind a tree. You just got to, he's like, when they get mad, they smash a bunch of trees, but you got to find one big and then you run behind that one and then you just circle the tree and <laughs> oh, then the yeah. moose can't catch up to you. And he said, like, he was in a hunting stand one time and he was making moose calls and then it it enraged the moose and it smashed his tree down and then he fell out of a 20-foot stand and then he had to run behind a tree and then he was just like running from tree to tree to hide from this moose that was trying to get him.
0: Which sounds insane. And so I was like, that sounds like something I would never want to have to do. But
1: they also had a bobcat on the boat once.
0: (laughs) Not a bobcat, a cougar.
1: A cougar. A cougar on the boat like a cougar comes into town every once in a while and then it was looking for fish or something and it jumped on the roof of their boat and then their son woke up and was like there's a cougar on the roof and then they watched it and then it
0: left that seems insane we have seen in the last couple days tons of posters of black bears and cougars and wolves and things like that and I keep thinking about it every time we go in the woods Like, I really hope we don't see any of those Like, you kind of do want to see them but you actually really don't want to see them you know. But there's plenty of places in there where something like that could hide. You know. Hopefully they're just too afraid or not really into people. So yeah. but we we ended up having this great dinner with those guys. They're super nice and the place was awesome and we went to bed, um, in our tiny little room and it was a real treat. So in the morning we woke up and we said goodbye to those guys after really nice coffee and it was kinda sad to leave, you know. And um, we ended up going and having a breakfast at a place called the Blue Door, which is sort of a little greasy spoon just down the way. And Very small, yeah. Yeah. And then we got on the road and headed towards Euclid, which is an awfully hard word to say. It's a, a tiny little part somewhere in the middle on the edge on the Pacific Ocean. Um, and it is just covered in black. Black rocks and rocky outcroppings. Coastal rocks, yeah. And um, it has one of the best trails uh, that you can go and take to see amazing, amazing vistas. Just the kind of stuff that, and it says it all over their their um, guides and all these things. But the kind of thing that that is just nonstop postcard looking views. Mm-hmm. And so we drove all the way over there. We started a new audio book, and now we're listening to one about pirates, which is really fun.
1: Yep, we finished the tree. We and did. Now we're doing pirates. Don't remember the word. It's like a real history of pirates.
0: Yeah, and so we headed over to U, U-, U- and uh, first thing that we found was a a game sh- game shop slash coffee house.
1: Yeah, so we had to stop.
0: We had to stop, and we stopped, and we went in, and they had like three games.
1: It was, yeah, it was very strange and small and funny. And it was like an, in an old cabin or something that had a giant tea kettle for a stove, like a five foot tall tea kettle for a stove. And it had like six games in it, and some of them were from like 1970. All the way up to a, like one modern one. And then it had some magic cards. And then it was some guy. And then Lindsay's like, a cappuccino, please. And he's like, I've never made one of those.
0: <laughs> and then I was like, that's fine. Whatever you're doing <laughs> with that espresso looks normal. And I was like, that'll do. So we talked to him for a second. He gave us some recommendations, which were actually really good too. Mm. And we took our, our coffees and we um, said goodbye to that guy. We went all the way down to uh, something called the Lighthouse Loop area. And before we went there, we went to Terrace Beach, uh, which is right near there. It's right at the end of Euclid. It's so hard to say. Um,
1: I call it Ukulele.
0: Yeah, that's not the name for it, but that's close. close. So Terrace Beach was just a little tiny beach. As we're outside, you know, it has been raining all morning and we've got our gear on and stuff like that, but we get out and the wind is whipping around like crazy and we scurry down to this beach going through a little tiny patch of trees and you can just feel the spray coming off of the ocean and the waves are rushing in and the entire beach is littered with 25, 30 different kinds of seaweed. You know, there's like red ones with little weird like uh pokes all over it and there's the kind that you want to eat you know like the really nice green kind looks like that there's some weird ones that look like
1: giant tube tentacle whips
0: yeah tube tentacle whips and some other pod looking ones and then some that look like a ramen so i
1: like a brain yeah
0: yeah and i was sitting there looking at it and i was like for whatever reason i feel i feel like this should be a salad i did not eat it but i thought about it a lot the rest of the day Uh, so but it was really cool, and we poked around in there, and there were a lot of, like, like different mussels and whatever else, shells that were all over the place, and um, we watched the waves for a second and thought, oh, this is amazing, this is really cool, that guy was right. And we got back in the car, and we went over to um, the Lighthouse Loop, and just two seconds into walking through this, we were walking through Old Growth Forest, and we walk for just a couple minutes and you could start to see the ocean in your view between the trees and you get up to a little tiny fork in the road and you look over and all of a sudden you realize that all of that wind and all of the storms and the rain and everything that's happening is making the ocean just froth. It It is uh, just spraying all over these black rocks. they are huge, like tiny little islands that are pockmarked that have all sorts of like crevices and cracks in it and they're massive and they're kind of like the back of a like a a sea serpent or something like that all over the place and these inlets that are just coated with foam you know and it reminded me of the interesting cappuccino that that guy made me because every single nook and cranny had dishwasher foam all over it super
1: frothy like fluffy like bubble bath foam
0: and the wind was whipping around so the second that one of those would come in all of the bubbles would just float up into the air and kind of spray to the side and so you would just get this onslaught of all of this like froth coming out of the ocean and the waves would come up in just two or three strong all at once and they'd crest over and smash into another wave that was on its way as well and so these These were probably like 15 foot waves, you know, and that they would just kind of come in these massive, like rolling swells swells, and it was just amazing. And so we watched these for a while and we're like, this is the coolest, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so again, everything was super misty out and it was super gray. And so the light was sort of filtering through this very diffused kind of light and it was very moody. Um, and again, it kind of felt a little like it was um, You know, we sort of mentioned that black and white feeling where everything is just sort of devoid of, of color out there But then of course you look at the trees and they're just vibrant still, you know So we walked along the trail for a long time and it's set up in such a way that You can walk for a couple feet, you know, 10, 12, 20 feet or something and there will be a little tiny pathway to a bench where you can sit down and if I was so brave I could have busted out my sketchbook and done some really amazing like plein air stuff Uh, but you could sit there and the view would change and so sometimes you'd be looking into a valley of rocks where there was a zigzag of water that would come rushing in through this this sort of like spigot and then all the froth would kind of form in a single area and lift up and fly away like little birds Uh, There was other places where you just see it crashing against cliffs, and it was very wild and it was very rough, and it was very scary in a lot of ways, but um, all around too you'd see the remnants of old logs that had washed up and kind of toppled around just like a a big pile of toothpicks just everywhere on top of the rocks. So we walked along and um, took our time, and it probably took us about two hours or so to make the loop. Um, Every now and again, we would just stand there and watch because it was just incredible. So the sun started going down, um, maybe about two-thirds of the way in. So we got this great, beautiful, diffused sunset uh, as we made our way back to where our car was. And um, just the coolest thing ever. So as the sun completely went down, it got black again like normal. And we headed to our, our place for the night, which is actually where we're staying right now. And we got in, we um, found our room, we we're super tired, and we made some camping food on the stove, played a game, found that there's a hot tub, hung out in the hot tub, which has like weird party lights on it, which is a lot of fun, yep. and then read a book, fell asleep. So that was really, really fun. And so this morning we woke up a little bit late and we found out that we had neighbors, and so there are other people staying in the house with us as well, and we said hi to those guys, and one person um does like municipal planning, uh and the other person was a ninth grade teacher. so we talked to those guys for a long time this morning.
1: Yeah, they're both from Canada, and they've been out here surfing and doing outdoor stuff,
0: which is incredible because after seeing all those waves, I was thinking to myself, nobody in their right mind would ever get close to that ocean. yes except those guys did well
1: this it, is a huge surfing town so lots of people do yeah
0: well we did not see any of that last night uh,
1: well they were saying that the storms were bad and so yesterday was particularly bad normally it's, it's crashing and stuff like that but yesterday it was particularly tumultuous so she said because they called and were going to um, they were going to surf and then the guy was like not today
0: Yeah, well, yeah, it looks terrifying. But they said that they wear, like, those big, like, full-body suits with the, the, like, the knight's helmet on, you know? And um, it just sounds insane. I mean, I know people do it, but uh, after looking at that, I was just like, no way, you know? But those guys, they said they've only uh, surfed maybe five times in their life. Yep. And that just looks like a recipe for disaster. But maybe... Maybe, I don't know, maybe it is just the way it is. You gotta find some waves and you gotta find the good ones. So maybe that's here. But we did find out though, um, on our drive up here yesterday, that there's tons of other beaches. As we got up here, we headed towards Tofino, which is where our house is. And that's the surf town. And sure enough, there are tons and tons of big sandy beaches over here with different kinds of waves um it's funny because on all their maps they have all these directions of where which direction the wave goes and which ones crash into each other completely and you know whatever else but we also saw on our way up here that there was a sign that said that there's a wolf advisory right now so we stopped ourselves a couple times from going down some rainforest yeah. paths cause we, we actually were
1: like, yesterday we pulled into one place and said let's do this walk and then there was a wolf advisory And we sat there for a good 10 minutes and said...
0: The sun's going down. That seems like a bad idea.
1: Yeah. And we said, wolves, no sun. Uh, And then eventually Lindsay's like, let's just get out of here. So we left.
0: Yeah. No, I didn't want to get destroyed by a wolf. But we got some recommendations from the surfer ladies. And they said, oh, yeah, you probably don't have to worry about that. But I don't know. Maybe you can ask somebody. And then, but you definitely should go eat at Taco Fino. And we were like, Taco Fino, what is that? And they're like, oh yeah, there's a a funny taco cart over here that is super good and you should definitely go to it. And we're like, all right. So we hadn't gotten any recommendations. We've been eating all sorts of weird garbage um, and uh, random things from our secret stash of objects that have come with us all the way from Minnesota. And most of it has been very bland. So we were like, sure, we set out today and decided to go first, first things first, go get some food. So we meandered into Tofino, which is actually a really cute little town. It's kind of like a funny resort looking town. And it had a really great gallery by a First Nations artist. And we walked through there and saw his artwork. It looked like screen prints, I think. They were really nice. And then we headed towards Taco Fino and got some amazing tacos.
1: And our house guests were there getting tacos as well. That was
0: embarrassing. And so we ate our tacos and we were like, hey. Well. Took them
1: up on their recommendation. And they were amazing. And we ate them and then we immediately went back and got more.
0: Yes, we did. And so then we finally, finally got back out on the road and decided that we were going to go see some of the different things around here so there's tons and tons of trails here some of them go out to the beaches some of them go into the forest Um, there's a national park right around here as well that has like a bunch of different kinds of biospheres so we went first to the visitor center to ask about the wolves because we didn't know if that was going to be terrible and the lady at the counter laughed and she said do you have a dog and we were like no and then she was like oh okay well then you're fine and i was like oh and she's like, yeah, they just eat the little dogs. And I was like, what? That's, t- that's terrible. And she's like, yeah, that's gross, isn't it? Yeah, if you're not taking a little dog out there with you, then you're fine. And I was like, so they don't eat the people? And she's like, no. And she didn't say anything about cougars, and she didn't say anything about bears. But um, somebody else said the she bears. She said the
1: bears just eat the dogs, too.
0: That's gross.
1: Yeah, people don't seem to be very afraid of the bears here. I think they have a different species of bear than we have in Minnesota, where they will eat you.
0: I don't think ours will eat you. I thought ours will. No, I think ours are small, tiny black bears.
1: Oh. Well, the ones in Montana then.
0: Those will for sure destroy you. So, we went out on um, a rainforest trail, which was super cool. We went directly into old-growth forest, which had towering cedars, massive pine trees, things that looked to be like 500 years old or more you know
1: older yeah
0: probably older and everything was just slick and wet and damp and slimy (laughs) and they had built a boardwalk i don't know how long ago but all out of wood that kind of meandered through the forest and went up and down and there were stairs that you had to climb with tiny like little railings on it and bubbling creeks that went underneath these massive huge fallen trees There was remnants of pieces of trees that had just fallen down maybe a month before that they had to chainsaw apart that were littered all over the ground. There were ferns everywhere that were black and dark green and tons of like super brilliant lime green moss. Uh, And we could hear off in the distance uh, bird calls and a weird kind and what sounded like the yelping of, of wolves. Did you hear that? when we were out there?
1: Uh not really. No? No. Okay. I mean then you I heard I didn't really hear anything, but you kept asking and I was like, I don't I don't know.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> I heard it. And so uh we went through this trail and it it's just like vertigo inducing because you'll stand there on the edge of like one of these platforms and look up at a tree that is towering above you and you kinda have to hold on to the because every time you look up you're sense of balance is a little bit funny and all the trees aren't directly straight up you know they're kind of tipped on each other and pieces you know that once were straight have these giant like we kind of talked about them before like these big cactus arms that stick out you know um, or things that have fallen to the side and that kind of lean on other trees but I don't know if you felt like that but every time I would look up I'd feel a little bit dizzy. Yeah and it's
1: like a very weird... There's no flat spaces, everything's undulated, and there's years and years of layers of trees and things like that, so it's, it was like, reminding me a little bit of uh, Star Wars, like the Ewok planet, especially with the catwalk things, Yeah, they were really narrow, and some of them were really high, like, and they were soft and squishy. Yeah. And I
0: mean, that wood looked pretty rotten. You in could a tell they spots. kind of
1: like switch out spots or whatever, but they must, I mean, it must just like, it's a rainforest, so it's constantly,
0: constantly wet.
1: Constantly just wet, yeah. But it was really cool. But it, it looked really, busy.
0: I mean, it was amazing. That the way that they did that, though, was like so. It was nice because the wood looked like it was supposed to be there. Like it wasn't.
1: Yeah, no, it looked, it looked natural. It didn't look like some. And it was really small. They kept it, it's very hardy, like the planks are really thick. um, So it's probably really sturdy, but it also was really narrow and they kept it small so it wasn't some big giant hulking platform. It was just like a little Ewok village.
0: It was a super adventure and we wandered through there for a long time and got out and went on to our next trail, which was through a bog. So there was just feet and feet and feet of whatever of uh, sphagnum moss which they use in um, floral arrangements did you know that
1: i didn't know that
0: yes it retains lots of water now you know makes sense it's a bog yes it is a bog and so the trees that grew there were the same exact tree type that was in the rainforest um, trail that we were in except for because of that bog everything was stunted, and it looked like a tiny forest of bonsai trees. Yep. And so we walked along another boardwalk, and you could see that there was just standing water, just barely um, visible. It was like a big sponge that we were on, you know? And there would be these pockets of almost red water all around us. But these tiny little gray trees with just beautiful kind of yellowy-green needles that were sort of twisted like old, you know, old hands. And um, we walked around that loop, and it was just beautiful. It was very serene and really nice. And, the you know, the sky was gray and the trees were gray. And um, I thought about how we were sitting there. And I was just like, this is one of those places that I think I would like to just hang out for like an hour or two. You know, just not talk to anybody, just be there. So yeah. it was really pretty. And um, so we ended up walking back uh, through the bog, and we had one more trail, which was, um, it was called the Ancient Cedars Trail. So we went all the way back uh, to Ucluelet, where we parked on the side of the road and started uphill towards the Ancient Cedars Loop, which is a tiny little loop. And the first thing you see are trees that are 15, 20 feet around. Just huge veiny trees with like big wide scoops of roots that kind of come out. I don't even know what to call that, but it's just like kind of these big like wedges of roots that are kind of going into the earth and you look up. Ropey. Yeah, very ropey and you, you look up and you realize this tree is just kind of a big tube with a broken off top. You know, yeah. these little baby branches hanging out from every side, you know, like little wiry hairs, like a kind of a funny, like one of those hairbrushes that people use, those rolly brushes with all of like the natural fibers on them. You know what I'm saying? That they use at the hairdressers? Do you know what I'm saying? I okay. All right. Well, it looked like one of those hairbrushes with just tiny little baby um, branches on it. Uh, so you can just imagine what that tree would have looked like with its top on. You know so the rest of the forest around there were big trees as well but every now and again you'd see one of these huge ancient ones and it was just incredible some of which had uh, the bark had sort of fallen off and so there were bare spots around it It it's very smooth and it looked very polished you know it was a bright red color Mm -hmm. and so took off my mitten for a second and stuck my hand on it. it was very cold you know and um it was just really neat. And so we got up to an area that was a short path, just maybe a couple kilometers long towards the Rocky Bluffs, where, again, we saw some signs for cougars and bears and wolves. And we said, okay, we're taking note. All right, sounds good. And we start off and about 10 minutes into it, we hear running behind us. And we flip around and there's just a lady. And so we were like, okay, well, you're not a cougar or a bear. But every other like step we would see areas underneath trees that had been hollowed out and we're like surely that is a fine place for an animal to live or here where there's like a little tiny lean to with like kind of a little dry patch definitely something must live in there and so we'd be sitting there looking out towards the ocean and I'd hear a snap or something like that and I would flip around and look for the cougar that was somewhere in the trees but that was nowhere to be found. No. But that's how they do it, though, Chris.
1: Yeah, I know. If you see it, they want you to see it. If you, if they want to hurt you, you'll never see them coming.
0: Yeah, I don't like that at all either. And I was like, I didn't want to run into any of these three things. But we were lucky. We got to the very end um, and made our way through there. But I think this whole entire time, it's finally like the last day or so that I've been, I've like finally gotten into being. Super present on this journey, you know, okay, I don't know if you ever get like that But you're sort of preoccupied by stuff You just can't stop thinking about everything you're supposed to be doing or whatever, you know um, But not today So just walking through the bog I think did it, you know So
1: the bog did it.
0: I know well, I'm excited about it. So anyway, Um, We are just wrapping up our Vancouver Island adventure, and we have a couple hours tomorrow before we get back on the ferry and um, make our way back to Washington, where we have phase three of our crazy adventure. So we'll see how that goes. So... To conclude our adventure, mm-hmm. we took a major trip across the ferry, uh, across the water, down to Vancouver, drove through the country lines, and down to Gail's house, which was our new uh, Airbnb for the night.
1: Gail and her wonderful puppies.
0: She had so many puppies. And Ancient they puppies. And enthusiastically barked at Chris forever. But... Um, in our last couple days here, we did a little bit of scouting around, crawled all around. Uh, we went up to Mount Baker, did some skiing in a blizzard.
1: Yeah, it was pure whiteout conditions. Probably, I think, <clears throat> in the 24-hour period of that day, there was 10 inches or 11 inches, and there was eight before we got there, and then another three or four while we were there. So it was, it was really awesome. But Lindsay learned about skiing in powder, which is more work than skiing uh, on kind of flat-groomed hills.
0: It's amazing. I I mean, you know, you'd think that living in Minnesota gives you all sort of snowy experience, but nothing like, there's nothing like standing on top of a mountain in whiteout conditions trying to navigate your way down when you can't even tell where one bump is. Mm -hmm. So um, I had my epic moment where I was skiing and flew off the edge of a cliff in a starfish shape and landed on my back and decided that that was about it for me. So I had my nice adventure skiing and finally made it down to the to the place where I could just get a coffee. The chalet. Yes, and sit down and just relax for a minute.
1: But while Lindsay did that, I did a few more runs all by myself. Went up to the very back bowls and checked out all of Mount Baker. So it's a small but really cool hill, actually. I really liked it.
0: Yeah, so... Um, the rest of our adventures took us all the way over to the reptile zoo. We went to Snohomish. We got to go through some really beautiful countryside and meet some fun people. And then finally made our way back to Seattle where we had a really nice Christmas Eve with Francesca, Butchko, and, um, Justin Oaksford, and Jean and Brian, two friends of theirs, and stayed up all night until we had to get on the plane. So here we are, exhausted, uh, but home and uh ready to regain our minneapolis duties
1: just about ready maybe a couple days
0: maybe a couple days so uh definitely a a super adventure i'm gonna let my knee heal a little bit and uh hopefully enjoy the frigid weather now that we're back good to be home Thanks so much for listening to our crazy adventure in the Pacific Northwest. We'll have a lot more information coming up about how you can come on an adventure with us this spring. If you'd like to be a part of that, just keep an eye on the website. We're going to be announcing details and applications for that. Probably in the next couple weeks.
1: If you have any questions about that or anything else, you can always find us on Twitter. We're at Lab. You can find us on Instagram, which we're posting all sorts of new stuff regularly. We are Lab on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Give us a like there, and you'll be kept up to date with upcoming events, shows, calls for art, and all that kind of stuff. You can also follow us on Tumblr, where we tumble things, um, works in progress, and other work from artists. You can also subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio.
0: Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk with you soon.